Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Happy Friday. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show. And I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, here on Reality Check Radio, where it's all about, on the Up Your Brave show, motivation, education, inspiration, and empowerment. Speaking of empowerment, this week, we are doing the greatly anticipated topic of empowering men. And I've got three amazing guests lined up for you. But before we dive into that, I would love to go to the inbox and share some of the text messages and email messages that we receive. By the way, quick reminder, if you want to message in, it's inbox at realitycheck.radio. And also, if you want to text, it's 2057, so 2057 on the text to message us. And I love when people say where they're messaging in from, but you can also message anonymously. We've got one here. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, I've got no name on this one. Oh, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Excellent discussions this morning, Natalie. Thank you for your efforts to unleash the potential of others. So that was from last week. All of these, in fact, were from the show that we did last week. And next one we've got here from someone called Jay. I've been buying bits. And, this is about the financial one we did last week with Jonathan um, Callanan. I've been buying bits and pieces of crypto since two years. I found it lots of fun. Never thought I would enjoy it. I bought a few rolls of silver, stashed some cash, still watching and learning. Thanks for an inspiring interview. And like the higher, I like the higher viewpoint of the community mindset. If you missed that one or any of our replays, of course, you can check those out on the replays page on realitycheck.radio. Thank you, Vicky, for writing in. Just listen to your Up Your Brave with Karen Tui boys. What an eye-opener on the school system. Now I know why I was destined to be a business owner. <laughs> Same. Thanks for writing in, Vicky. And now we've got another one here 
no name on this one. Great show today, Nat. Especially loved hearing Karen talk about teaching and tapping into kids' true potential. Inspiring. Karen talked about why and how the school system is broken and how to fix it. And she talked about homeschooling. So if you missed that episode again, you can just go along to um, check out the replay. Thanks, Louise, for writing in. Really, really enjoy listening. My favorites are Paul, Rodney, and Marie B., and that lovely Canadian lady doing Up Your Brave. Awesome radio shows. Very inspiring, informative, and I actually have hope for the future when I listen, as I feel there are so many of us out there. A real NZ fan now. Thank you, Louise Morgan, for writing in with that. And I definitely suggest, if you have only listened to my show and you haven't listened to the others, Turn on the live stream or tune in to some of the replays and check out the rest of the shows as well. By the way, you can also subscribe to stay in the loop like by just adding your email address if you want to receive the emails that they send out, basically giving you a little bit of a heads up on what is coming up each week. And you can do that on the realitycheck.radio homepage. By the way, they also have a Telegram channel, which you can join as well to stay in the loop. And if you feel inclined, please go ahead and spread the word by sharing one of our replays or sharing the link with a friend or family member. Speaking of family members, I want to do a little shout out, considering it's empowering men this week. Happy 80th to my dad, who turns 80 in July in a few weeks time. Um, I, so I call this his birthday month. And also shout out to my husband, Matt, for being top in his age group in the Auckland City Tri Club, that's triathlon, which him and my daughter do together. Um, well, independently, but they both do it. And also to Matt for being an awesome dad to our three kids. Speaking of awesome men, I've got three incredible guests lined up for you today. Kicking it off, we're going to start with Jack Henderson. Now, Jack is amazing. He's only 20 years old. I did a little sneak peek last week with a few minutes from our interview. And this week, you're going to get the whole interview, which is all about empowering men, how to be a manly man and be emotional. You can check him out, um, Hendo's Hot Topics podcast as well. And that's coming up for you. After Jack, we've got Daniel Monroe. He's an integrity coach helping nice guys to master their relationships. So we're going to be talking about his topic of nice guy syndrome and how you recover and discover the real you. Finally, to wrap up the show, I'm talking to Mark Mandino. He's actually a quadriplegic. He was teaching his kids how to surf many years back, and he dove into a sandbar out in the water and became a quadriplegic in that instance. And we're going to talk about moving forward after massive challenge. So whatever your challenge might be in life, um, everyone's got challenges. He's going to give us some amazing insights on how to be empowered and how to move forward. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And today, I'm excited to talk to Jack Henderson. We're going to be chatting on the topic of empowering men. And if you don't know Jack, he is a podcaster, a mental health advocate, and an entrepreneur. Uh, by the way, Jack says at the age of 20, he started his own podcast in March 2020 during his last year of high school. Um, he's born and bred in New Zealand, lost the sport that he loves, which was football due to COVID, which sent him into a dark spiral of losing himself. Well, I'm so glad that we found you and that we've got you here on the show. Thanks for joining us, Jack. Thank you for having me. 
Well, you guys can't see Jack, but he's got a pretty sweet setup. I got to tell you. So he's a podcaster. His podcast is called Hendo's Hot Topics Podcast, um, which I'm going to ask you about. But before, before we do that, um, can you, before we get into empowering men and all the things, can you give us a little bit of backstory? Like, how did you get into this, this area of empowering people and becoming a mental health advocate? Yeah. So as you mentioned at the start, I started my podcast uh, March 2020 which was my last year of high school, year 13. And I started the podcast because I've had one heck of a journey. We all have journeys, but uh, mine sent me places which I wish no one goes goes to. Um, but at my school, the, the cultural aspect and diversity at my school, not many people could talk about what they were going through or, you know, to their parents, their families, their friends. And I was someone who was always quite open with my feelings. You know, if I if I came to school and I was feeling quite down or anxious or depressed and a lot of my friends knew what I'd been through because they'd always they'd asked me and I was always open. So I was an anchor for people to come and vent to. I was someone who people knew that I wouldn't beat around the bush with them, that I'd be honest and that I'll just listen and be there for them. And that made me realize that, hey, maybe I can turn my negative into positive and help some people. So I started my podcast March 2020 just to actually help my small group of friends and small group of friends outside of school with what they were going through. And very fortunate that it flourished into something much bigger than I was expecting to and helped a lot more people than I was hoping to help. And yeah, let's just say it expanded a lot further than the small group of friends within my school, which I'm very grateful for. I'm so curious. Well, first of all, congratulations, because I, you know, I was podcasting many years ago before it became, became really cool. And it I, people don't realize it takes, it, well, it took me at least three hours to produce each podcast when I factor in the promo, also writing a blog, you know, planning the guests, talking to the guests and all the things. So congratulations on that. Um, I would love to know, can we start off with, what yeah. is one of the hottest topics, you know, of all the podcasts, like what are, what is one of the hottest top topics that's really resonated with people? Oh, golly gosh. I think the thing that is a center point when it comes to everyone I've had on the podcast and a lot of people resonate with the most is that at some point, whether it's at the, the start, beginning or middle of your journey, is that you feel quite lost with yourself. You know, you, you're, you, put, you tend to put everything aside, whether it's friendships, relationships, uh, work, whatever it may be, you put everything aside to, I guess you could say hustle, hustle what you're passionate about and want to achieve. And at one point you're going to lose yourself. And that's what the biggest thing that everyone resonates with. Uh, example, I had uh, Shane Young, he's a UFC fighter, a Kiwi Maldi UFC fighter. And he came on and he spoke about how for 10 years, he separated himself from his family, moved up to Auckland and worked his way up doing what he loved. And he found himself in an area where he felt quite lost. You know, he had separated himself from his loved ones and, and everyone around him secluded himself to really give a good chance of what he was doing to achieve it. Um, a, a gentleman by the name of Will Saatchi from a real well-known duo band called um, Will Thomas from Saatchi, same thing. Him and his mate Nick, the, the, the two creators of Saatchi, they did the same thing, secluded themselves from everyone else, and they worked really hard to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And I can I can agree on that with losing yourself. You know, I I was built my life around football, soccer, and, and 2020 when lockdown happened, I lost it all. 
I I've, I devoted my life seven trainings a week and and two three games in the weekend to pushing the ranks in football and getting to where I wanted to go and I finally got there and it got taken all away from me and I felt lost. So biggest thing that everyone resonates with that I find mm. is along the journey of achieving what you want to achieve, you you have that sense of losing yourself. You know, who am I? What is it that I really want to do? You start questioning all your decisions. Is what I'm doing right now what I want to do? Is it going to be worthwhile? You know, am I, are people judging me? Are my parents proud of me? Am, are my are my friends even really my friends? You start questioning everything around you and you really do become lost with yourself. Lost is an interesting word, isn't it? Because, and all those examples you gave are so great because they're like people that are fully immersing themselves in something they genuinely love that is genuinely bringing them joy. However, there is compromise, but it's so great when you get to that point of being lost or um, when people have a challenge in their life and they get to the point of questioning things. Like you said, right now, people really are right now. People really are leaning in and starting to question, who am I? You know, what am I here for? And I love that side of it. Like, I love the personal discovery side when people are going, you know, what am I meant to achieve in life? You know, not just for me, but, you know, what is my greater purpose? And I love those questions. What did you discover about yourself? You obviously discovered you had some great perseverance sticking to your values and what you valued in terms of giving up your soccer. But what else do you learn about yourself in that time of being lost? We are far more capable than we think. You know, our, our mind is such a bigger tool, and we're we're capable capable of far more than we actually truly realize. Um, when we get struck down and when we get knocked five steps back, somehow I'm still trying to figure out how, but somehow we manage to go six steps forward and and get back to where we were, and, and even push further than we were to doing something and and striving towards that that goal that got us in, in this place in the first the first instance it's it's how it's it's our why it's how do we get to where we want to go when we feel like the world's against us and i i learned through all of it is you know you might be knocked off the saddle and and things might not be going along the 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 journey that you wanted to go to get to your destination but if you just buckle down and you put your head down and you observe and absorb everything around you, you might not take the the journey that you initially intended, but you're still going to end up at the same destination. You just have to believe yourself and realize that you're so much more capable than more than you realize. I think that's a great message for everybody. Um, and it's, and especially, you know, the men out there like this week, this week in our show, we're focusing all of our interviews on really around men, you know, and, mm. and today you and I are chatting about empowering men. I would love to know what message you have for the teens of today, right? Because you, you know, you were at your last year of high school. Now you're kind of reflecting back three years later. What message would you have for the teens of today? Cause they're, they're getting bombarded with all sorts of things that are different than what you had. And certainly what I had. Um, and particularly the the male teens of today. To start it off is to stay true to yourself. This goes for teens, male, female, you know, start of high school, end of high school. Stay true to yourself and do what you want to do. I have three do's, which I say at every end of the podcast. It's do what makes you happy, do what you know is right, and do what you need to do for you. And that all that all 
circles around the main idea of staying true to yourself. It's so easy, especially when you're you're a teenager, to be pushed and pulled by everyone's perspectives or, you know, living your parents' dream or or doing doing and becoming the person that other people want you to become. It goes back to losing yourself. So saying the main thing I want to say and put out there is stay true to yourself. And you know, a lot, a lot of people may realize that and they may know what I'm talking about with their journeys. And a lot of people may not have um, been bombarded with challenges and obstacles. But if you haven't and you don't know what that means, trust me, in a few years' time, you will realize what it means to, be, to stay true to yourself. You are speaking my language. You know, I talk a lot about how some people find themselves stuck in the should zone, right? And they sometimes call it the sh zone, you know, the other S zone. And um, right where you're living life guided by pretty much other people's expectations, you know, duties, obligations. Like I studied this, so I really should do a career in that, even though it really doesn't light me up. So you talked about do what makes you happy, do what you know is right. What's the third one again? Uh, do what you need to do for you. Mm, so good. And, and what uh, did you do for? Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, I was just going to touch on you know the 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 should zone. I have a friend called Finn <laughs> Barnett. He's got a podcast, well called Alan Av, and we had a chat, and he said I, we we're talking about the the university stage. You know, you finish yeah. high school, and all your friends are, are going to university, and even though you don't feel like you should, you go anyway because you your friends are. You know, you follow the herd. Yeah. And he said, looking back now with his life experience, if he went back now, the papers would be papers to learn and not papers just to pass. And I think that speaks a lot, you know, live life a little bit and then go back to university. You can go to university any age you want to live life a bit because then those papers become papers to learn around the avenue of what you actually want to do rather than papers just to pass, you know, to get it done and get the diploma under your belt and then, then try to figure out what you actually want to do. I remember that stage and, you know, my daughter's in year 12, so she's not quite there, but we're a lot of adults, you know, say to high school students, so do you know what you're going to do when you graduate? Right. Which yeah. is like the worst question other than saying, wow, look how tall you are. You know, I mean, I'm, kids probably hate that. Um, so it, it is, it's, there is that expectation that they'll go to uni and what will they study? And, and usually they make a decision when they really have no idea. So I think that's wise guidance is give yourself permission to take that time to live life a bit before you commit, if you even want to, to the uni thing. 100%, 100%. Yeah, give, your, give yourself some breathing space. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask you that third thing that you mentioned, you know, what did you do for you? Didn't go to uni. <laughs> I did. I, I, uh, the reason I spoke on that is because I felt stuck in that trap of all my friends were going to university or they were going into a trade. And those were my two options. You know, um, you know best mate's going and doing a sports psychology degree or my friends becoming a, a builder. Oh, that's, those are my only options. And I gave myself some breathing space. And that's why I'm very blessed with, with the podcast because it gave me a drive. It, I, I went against the grain. I went, I went against the norm. I said, okay, I want to do something that makes me happy, something that I want to do and something that I'm not going to wake up in the morning, get in my car and dread even doing it before I'm doing it. Yeah. What is that? And the podcast was calling my name. And that was what I did for me is I did what made me happy. And I didn't just be a part of the social norm and did what everyone else did and, and what society expected me to do straight after high school. 
And it's so neat because, you know, I'm a business coach and we often talk about the triangle, which is, and I'm using my hands here, you know, something you're good at over here in one point of the triangle, something people will pay for. And the third one um, is something that you do naturally, right? So something you're good at, something you do naturally, and of course, critically, something people will pay for, and that's a business. And I learned that. And I then I realized a few years in, well, it's not a triangle. It's actually a diamond. And the fourth point that no one really talks about, if you're going to succeed as a business, the fourth point is a sense of urgency. Because if you don't have a sense of urgency, you're never going to launch that website. You're never going to publish that podcast. You're never, you know, because either you don't really need the money or you, you know, you don't, you know, there's, you haven't said that you're doing an event on this date at this time. You haven't committed yourself. So what have you, I'm keen to hear about your entrepreneurial journey and you probably will inspire other listeners who feel like I don't want to go to uni either. Or, you know, some of them might've left uni after one year realizing I'm just following a path of shoulds, but I, it's not really my path. What, um, what what you say you're an entrepreneur. So what is it that you're that brings you the the income in your in your business if that's what you're doing? Is it coaching? So it's um at the moment what it is is editing. Mm. No, editing's the the now, it's the new, it's is making the little reels and and the little content. That's that's where I'm starting to to build it up. Um I also want to say this to hopefully inspire uh, the young boys and girls who are listening is I finished high school. Instead of going to university, I went and worked at Bunnings. I went and worked at Bunnings Warehouse. I worked there to keep me afloat, you know, to, to not let money distract me from doing what I was actually doing, which was my podcast. And you, you mentioned urgency. And I really want to touch on that because I set myself a goal four years. Within four years, I wanted to have left Bunnings and I wanted to have been close to doing full time what I actually loved. And that mm. was that urgency. You know, if I don't reach that four years, I didn't try hard enough. I tried real hard and it took me two years and I was willing to go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm at a spot now where I can go, thank you for keeping me afloat, but goodbye. It's time to go do why I started this journey. It's time to go do something that makes me happy. You know, do what I need to do for me. Um, and yeah, that that urgency is what really it's a it's a key basic. A lot of people forget that urgency really does drive you. You know, it kicks you up the backside and tells you to to hurry up and get it done, or else there's no point trying. Yeah, exactly. I love it, and you know, it's really clear to me that you are doing something you love that you love and that you're good at, which is awesome. So, for our listeners that are listening, I'd love to know what is resonating for you that we've discussed so far. We talked about being immersed in something and and possibly losing yourself. You know, do you, can you relate to that? Or maybe I love Jack's advice. The three things that he mentioned. Um, you know, are you living in the should zone, <laughs> or are you in? So the zones that I talk about, of course, are the disconnected zone where you're literally just going through the motions day-to-day, you know, going to Bunnings, coming home. But if you didn't have something bigger in the pipeline, you know, so go, disconnected zone, you know, the the should zone, the frustration zone where people are angry, they're frustrated, they're not happy, but they're not doing anything about it, right? Um, with the, or the impact zone, which is in my world, that's where we want, all want to live, where we're doing what we want and it's firing us up and and all the things. So for our listeners, send us a message. We'd love to know what's resonating so far. Um, you can send a text 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, so I'd love to know, Jack, you know, some practical things. Like you said, a lot of people were coming to you or they they're open up, you know, their issues and their problems to you. What is some golden advice that you have 
um, for, I guess, you know, men in general, but of course they can be teens or even men that are older than you because you're only 20. Um, but what's some kind of, given your, what you've seen of people and of course all the people you've interviewed, because the beauty of interviewing people is we learn so much. Um, yeah. What golden advice can you pass on? Uh, especially for the males is it's okay not to be okay. You know, and everyone, everyone says it and we hear it a lot, but it speaks volumes when someone who's who's been through the trials and tribulations and has crawled out of the dark hole says it. You know, it's okay not to be okay. I my my dad, my granddad, you know, his dad have have all gone through the if men feel anything, you know, they're sick, they're they've they've got a disease, they're they're mentally crazy, lock them up in a mental institution and leave them there. You know, leave them there, don't don't talk to them about it because they're ill. I still, I still feel my generation. It's the whole, the whole Gen Z, the that's still there. It is still there. That if you're a male and you're you're feeling a certain way, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, feeling suicidal, or you're you're just you're troubled with a mental challenge somehow, that society has told you just to lock it up and throw away the key, to not say anything, to, you know, it, it's weak to speak to shut it off, to not even mention it. I can't even, I can't think of anything without going too deep, but just not to even bring it to the surface that if you're feeling something, you're sick. So my advice would be that it's okay not to be okay. And if you want to speak to someone, speak to someone. Could be your partner, could be your best friend, you know, your cousin, your mom, could be a stranger, you know, your therapist, could be an online counselor. You ring someone up at the helpline, whatever it is. If you want to get it out, get it out by talking. You know, don't don't get it out by using abuse of drugs, of alcohol, of self harming, of doing things that are going to affect you long term. You know, it, it, they they say something like a like a it's a, it's a temporary solution for for a, a long time issue or along those lines. And that comes with when people take their lives, when they feel there's no there's no opportunity to speak, that it's a, it's a short-term solution for them, but then they leave a, a, a lifetime amount of pain for those around them who wish they just spoke out. And as soon as you speak, it's like anything. You, you create a habit and the more you do it, the easier it becomes. You teach your brain, your brain's, you know, your brain's a muscle, you train it. The more you do it, the easier it will become and the more fluent you'll be at it. And I guess I can just say the more thankful of yourself for doing it, you will be. And I guess it gets easier, you know, once you break that, once the floodgates open a little bit, like, I, and I guess the other advice I'd, I'd offer and also ask you if you agree is Maybe like if the first person isn't the per best person to go to, try someone else. So for example, 100%. they might open up to someone. Maybe it's their mom and the mom's like, oh, honey, you're fine. Other people have it so much worse than you, right? Which is basically closing the door in their face yeah. or variation of. So I guess my guidance would be, hey, if the first person isn't hearing you, then maybe try someone else. Don't just give up and go, okay, fine. I'm going to turn to drugs or I'm not going to tell anyone because obviously no one cares. Yeah, correct. What are your and thoughts I, on that? I fully agree. And I, one of my good mates, Regan Green, he uh, his his best mate, uh, Constable Matthew Hunt, he he was he was shot down in a traffic stop a few years ago out here in West Auckland. And I had him on, and we were talking, and it was along the same things. You know, he went to someone, and then someone recommended pills, him to take pills mm -hmm. to to cope with what he was going through. And he knew that he didn't need medication. He knew that wasn't right for him, but he almost felt obliged to because a trained professional was telling him that. 
And that was the exact thing is he felt that person wasn't right for him and, you know, was giving her advice that he knew deep down in his heart he, he didn't need, you know, he didn't need to take pills for his, for his, what he was going through. So he went and saw someone else. And mm-hmm. this next person he resonated with a lot better, gave him much healthier tools and helped him through it with, with less self-doubt. I love that story. And I think that'll hopefully inspire other people to do the same. Like if the first port of call isn't a right fit and just listen to your body, listen to your gut and then go and ask someone else because yeah, sometimes they go so quick to the prescription meds, which isn't necessarily the answer. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Um, What about to the woman out there? I would love to know, you know, you know, what do you wish that us women you know, either the moms, which is me, you know, or the girlfriends or the wives or whatever. What do you wish we knew and and how can we better empower the men in our life? It's a huge question, but take it where you want it. <laughs> we're not mad at you. We're not frustrated with you. We're not angry with you. Nine times out of 10, we're beating, beating ourselves up in our heads. We might, you, you may feel like we're disconnected or we're not there or, you know, we've lost interest in you or fallen out of love. That's not the case. It's generations and hundreds of years of us feeling excluded from society when it comes to expressing how we feel, being open with how we are. So please, I'm not going to say be patient, but think of it from a different perspective. We're not disconnecting from you. We haven't fallen out of love. We are just in the dark corner in the back of our heads beating ourselves up for sometimes the littlest things or comparing ourselves to... A, a guy who doesn't have the flaws that we have. It's, it's things like that. And the, I've, I've heard a lot saying it's quite petty for a guy to do that, but it's truly the case. I, I've done it. I'm a really bad overthinker. I know some of my good mates are the same. Um, I've, I've spoken to their partners and, and I know that from their perspective that they felt like they're disconnected and that they don't love them anymore. And that is not the case. It's we're, we're just, we're, we're battling silent battles in our head that we feel there's no reason or beneficial use to expressing them and bringing them on to you. So that's, that's what I feel should be said. Yeah. What a honest and transparent response. And I think that's awesome. I think, yeah, a lot of men are really hard on themselves and it's hard in society, right? Because men, especially now it's like, wait a minute. Okay. So I can't be too masculine, but women also want to feel protected and taken care of, but wait a minute, you want me to be emotional, but if I'm too emotional, like, because I need to be more masculine, like it's confusing for guys. hundred percent. And it's, it's finding the, the, the balance, you know, it's, and that's why you end up having a lot of men who cry by themselves, you know, cry by themselves and, and take their lives because it's that exact reason. They men are meant to be blokes and 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 farmers and rugby players, especially in New Zealand. That we're meant to be manly, manly men. But we, where's where's the where's the balance in that? Where can we be a manly man, but also express when we're struggling, when we're not waking up and feeling like a like a tough bloke, when we want to cry and you know maybe have a night in and a movie night and just be there with our partners and and or with our dogs or kids or. Just be there with the ones that we love, but we don't want to come across like we're weak or that, like you said, we don't want our partners to feel not safe or protected. Where is the where is the balance? Where's the fine ground? And that's the biggest thing for my generation. Like I said, my dad's generation, his dad's, that's the biggest struggle is how can we be a manly man, but also 
protect ourselves and make sure that we aren't in that dark corner, like I mentioned, in our minds, mm. battling the silent battles. It's it's really hard, especially in this day and age with social media and all and all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to find that uh that that balance because we're told we're told one thing and and then we're pulled the other way and told another thing and it's and you know your all your limbs are stretched out because you, and you don't know where to go. You're stuck in the middle. I agree, and I think that says it all. How can they be a manly man? So like, let's dive into that. Let's yeah. see if we can come on the spot here. Let's see if we can come up with some. Not really tips is the wrong word, but what you know, some guidance around how can they be? What are some things that they can then can do or or think or or not do to be able to give themselves permission to have that balance again is quite a buzzword, but you know what I mean? The balance of being a manly man who can also be honest and open with his emotions without appearing weak. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is those that surround you. You know, make sure make sure those that surround you are going to be there when you need them, and vice versa that you, you can be there for them when they need you. The ones that surround you, the ones who you call your family and friends, and had another guest on, and he said, "I've never thought about it this way, but when it comes to role role models and family, you you truly have the choice in in who you call your role role models and family." You know, he said it's not doesn't have to be blood related. You don't have to be blood blood bound and and that sort of thing. You can choose who you call your family and look up to. And that's really important. Not many people are fortunate to come up in households where they're really supported and they're they're truly loved and they they feel protected. And that that in the in the later years of life, that turns them down bad tracks. So that's a that's a really important point is you can choose who you can call family and who you love and who you look up to and who you feel comfortable and protected around. Um the the tools and tri- uh, tricks and tips which I want to touch on from personal experience is just let it out, just cry. You know, uh, who gives a shit if someone calls you a wuss or a pussy or not a manly man for crying? You just have to let it out. You can't keep it boiled in, like Dom Harvey said. You can't just keep chucking your dirty clothes into your gym bag and let it sit into the back of your car and let that that smell stench and brew up. You just have to let it out. There's no other answer and there's no other best tip or trick that you can hear on Instagram or TikTok or where, from whoever it may be. You have to just let it out and let it out by crying, man. All the brothers out there, you just have, just cry once in a while. Just cry. You know, don't... When you feel, if you're, I see it so many times from men, they, they feel a tear crying. They do a little, and they scrunch their face up and they quickly, you know, tear their, uh, wipe their eyes or, and they make it look like they're scratching their face or, you know, wear sunglasses at a funeral, wear sunglasses. They don't, because they don't want to see people, they don't want people to see them weak. It's, it's so okay to be vulnerable and weak and open up to yourself and those around you because that is how you get better. You don't get better from, drinking your your worries away from snorting your stresses from taking your life you don't get better from that that will only just keep you in the continuous spiral so all you can do to make it better is let the freaking thing out let it out you know i always used to when i was i say like i'm like I'm really old. I, when I was used to 16, 17 kind of age, I used to get home and if I was feeling really just wound up and, and tied up with all the, the stuff that was going on at the time, I used to just grab my pillow and just scream as loud as I can, as loud as I can. And then I'd go go do a workout or go for a walk. You know, just telling yourself it's okay to feel. 
And it's so human. And it doesn't matter if you're a man, if you're if you're a female, if, if whatever it is, if you if you're a, if your dad was a manly man or if your granddad was a manly man and you were brought up with the the continuous cycle of stereotypes in New Zealand and in the States and the UK, it, it's a thing everywhere that it's okay to break that cycle and to be a vulnerable man. You know, be emotional. You can be manly and be emotional at the same time. It's not, it's not one or the either. You know, you don't have to choose, okay, I'm going to be, I'm more an emotional man than a manly man. Stuff it. You can go play rugby and drive trucks and pump weights at the gym and get tattoos and go to the pub and drink beer, whatever. And then you can go home and have a real open conversation with your partner and you can have a cry to yourself and you can drive home and listen to your music and sing your heart out. You just have to let it out one way or the other, but it has to be healthy talking or crying and crying is i found one of the most healthiest ways to let it out you just let it out through tears and you just cry your heart out and then once you're done you're like wow that's that's all it took you know it, it's it feels like you're you're hit by a huge tidal wave and then the, the little little white ripple water breaks on the shoreline and just coming over you know the tsunami's gone and now it's just calm glassy water you're like holy crap Oh my gosh, that's all it took was for me to just be open and honest with myself and just let it out. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so incredible to hear you talk like that. And yeah, you are beyond your years, I gotta say. But I mean, imagine what the imagine what society would be like if men actually did that. And you know, in it like it would be amazing because that release, which is what it is, the flood of tears and and doing that. Whenever it, whenever that pent up emotion needs to be released, there would be so many tragedies that would be avoided. I think. Yeah, hundred percent, I agree. And so many relationships that would be closer because sometimes if like the man never shows weakness or that type of emotion, it's you know when a friend, even when a friend like tells you something and they have a bit of a cry, like you, as there's a bond that strengthens. And I feel like. If a man has the courage to cry either in front of his wife or partner or a friend, like a, a guy friend, mm-hmm. or even his parents, you know, like I mean, I think the the bonds will be stronger and the connections will be deeper. And I mean, society would be be better if men allowed themselves to do that. Yeah. And uh touching on that with the crime with your partner, I think another thing that especially men my age, young twenties, you know, late teens, early twenties, is the thing you struggle we struggle with is Social media is everywhere. You know, it's our, it's becoming our life. Let's be honest. Social media is becoming our life, one way or the other, whether we like it or not. And so many people are influenced by it so easily. And all you see these days is videos of females saying how they want a manly man. You know that they, they don't want one who cries, and they they don't want one who's emotional. And that will for those men who maybe are looking for their partner or trying to find themselves. That's really staggering. That's really that's really hard to take. When you know you might be built up with stress or depression, or or you might have PTSD or really bad anxiety. You know you you may have something that just follows you like a shadow, and you just want someone who will let you just be yourself and be open. But it's really hard when all you see on social media is is females saying they want a manly man, they don't want a man who cries, they want a man who makes them feel protected. Well, ladies, I'm going to tell you that us as men, we can have a cry to ourselves and we can beat someone off you the next day. You know, if we love you, we love you and we will do anything for you. And all a man wants is, is a lady or a man who can just be there and hold their hand and, and let them know that it's okay to feel and express. And I feel like it's vice versa. You know, if a lady wants a man or or, or a, a lady who can 
do the same. Sit down, let them know it's okay, and and they that that are there for them. And you know, them being emotional and being vulnerable doesn't make them think any different of them. So maybe that's a great lesson or invitation for the woman out there listening is if we want our manly man to, or, you know, our guy to also be able to be emotional, like meaning release these emotions because so many benefits come from that, then maybe telling him that, you know, in, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, you know, honey, you don't have to be the strong guy all the time. You know, if you actually feel like just crying, like I am here for you, you know, kind of that, like even just saying it, or if they do show some emotion, encouraging them like we would, you know, like we would with any other girlfriend or a child or even our parents. Like we would say, it's like, let it out. It's okay. Everything will be fine. So rather than them feeling judged. So that's a great reminder. You know, it's interesting when you were talking earlier about, you know, the people that you, the people that you're around and role models. And I've got two teenagers right now. And I feel like it's almost that high school guidance that we give to kids, or at least that I give to mine, you know, it's like, choose your friends wisely, right? Like if you want to be an empowered man, I'd be like, choose your friends wisely. Like we did in high school. Like, you know, it's not just the people you grew up with and that's as good as it gets. It's like, you can meet, like, there's so many incredible people. And I don't know about you, Jack, but okay, let's just say I lost a lot of friends in the the last three years by speaking my truth and having the courage or the, you know, audacity to question the agendas and such. Um, And I lost a lot of friends, but I gained so many incredible people that came into my life and the connections I have to say are deeper and the relationships just feel easier. Um, And I feel like it's never too late to find, I'm not going to say better friends, but, you know, deeper connections. And so I guess my guidance is the high school advice, which is choose your friends wisely. And if you're hanging out with a crowd that like is making crap decisions and not living the life that you see for yourself, like you know, you make an empowered choice and and find some new people who are doing things that you really believe in. What are your thoughts on that friendship? Fully agree. And and uh, high school is the epitome of, you see it in American movies, high school musical, you know, different groups, you got the jocks, you got the musical group, you got the drama group, you got the cool guys and the cool girls. And that's what high school is. You, you want to be, you, you think someone's cool, so you go hang with them. And they could be stealing cars and and stealing from shops or robberies, whatever it may be. And you think that's cool because you you convince yourself because, you know, they've got everything that you want or that they're really liked and you want to be liked as well. But that's not the case. You're touching on how you said that uh, in the last few years from, you know, staying true to yourself and, and mm. speaking your the truth that you lost a lot of friends. And I want to say that sometimes the hardest situations lead us to the truest people. And I've learned that over the last few years as well. A lot of people were so quick to judge you and so quick to try put their perspectives and and really trying to demoralize you as a person because of you staying true to yourself that you feel like you've lost everyone around you. But we don't need, uh, this is for the high schoolers, we and you don't need a huge circle of friends. You do not need a huge circle of friends. It's not the cool thing. It's not the thing to do. The best advice is if you have... if your close friends, you know, I I always called my close friends people I would invite over to my house for dinner. If I didn't mm. invite them over to my house for dinner, they weren't that good of a friend to me. And we tend to just stay friends with people to be friends with them, to say, you know, another follower on Instagram or another friend on Facebook or to say, oh, that person's my friend. And oh, so is that one. And oh, that's my friend as well. All these friends. But who truly is going to be there for you when, you know, when things go pear shape or if, like the last few years, if, if things hit a, 
let's just say fantasy world are actually going to still accept you for for who you are and, and what you what you have to preach and and you staying true to yourself and you just making a choice who are those friends going to be you don't need to be friends with every bob and joe at, at school just choose your close close few friends who are going to help you and who you can help and and who you can learn off and how they can learn you, learn off you and and people who you would want to invite over to dinner. That if you told your mom, hey mom, I know Richie's coming over for dinner tonight, she'd be like, oh yeah, Richie's such a good mate, and I'm so glad you guys are friends with him. Rather than going, hey mom, Richie's coming over tonight. Uh, really does does he have to come over? You know those sorts of things. So the advice I have and the thing I want to say is is think of your your five closest friends and. If you would invite each and every one of them over to dinner, then you've got the right people around you. Love it. They pass the the dinner test. They get the, the dinner, dinner invite. Yes. Um, all right. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to go to the four questions that I ask all my guests. Um, what is one thing you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Uh, that would have to be my school talk at a college last year. I really want to get into my school talks. And funnily enough, I go to uh, primary schools and talk to them about how you know, the, the years of leaving primary school into high school, how it might daunting, you might need to make new friends, you might lose your primary school friends and just tell them to try and try and give a go for with every opportunity that comes up. That's what I tell the, the, the younger boys and girls. For college, for year 12 and 13s, I tell them, especially year 13s, is what we spoke about earlier, is going mm-hmm. to university. Don't do it just because your friends are. Don't become a tradie just because your friends are. Do what you want to do and give yourself some breathing space. Now, I had done about four or five primary schools, and I said, okay, Jack, you need to do a college now. And I was really putting it off because I'm still quite close to them in terms of age. Mm-hmm. And that age is a real judgy age. If they don't give a crap about what you have to say, they will make it known to you. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I just I just have to do it. I have to do a college. I have to just talk to people around my age and just get it done. So I went went into the school talk at Linfield College, and that was one of the most daunting things I've ever done. I had about two pages of notes on my book, and I had booked a 35-minute slot to talk. That speech was done in under 10 minutes. And I looked up, and the set of eyes, it was almost like talking to, it was like being back at school, you know, standing up in English class and saying a speech to all your peers. It felt like that. I felt all these judgy eyes at me, and it was the whole, circling it back to what we said at the start, it was second-guessing everything. Oh, is what I'm saying even that beneficial? Should I even be here? Do they even care what I have to say? Are they listening to me? So I, all my notes, I only read about three lines of my notes and the other 20 went out the door and my my book shut and the principal said, oh, that was quick. I said, yes, it was. Thank you for having me. And I walked straight out the door and I went home. And when I got home, I was real. I was beating myself up in real, uh, I was in a real space of self-doubt going, oh, well, you you flunked that one. You've wasted these people's time. What was, what was the point of doing that? But then I switched it around and I put on a different pair of shoes and I said, okay, you might think you did really bad, but you have just got up and spoken to over 200 students and you have just, you know, they might even not shown appreciation or shown that they were even listening, but something that you said may have resonated with them and may just help them when they reach these challenges. Because that was the other thing. My points were around situations that they hadn't even encountered yet. It was, you know, when you when you graduate uh, graduate high school, you might feel lost, tugged and pulled from different ways. You don't know where to go, and that was they hadn't experienced that yet. So, me thinking, okay, something you may have said in your quick little ten minute speech may actually help them when they encounter those uh, scenarios. So that was uh, that was how I upped my brave because I stepped 
in a, I sat on a stage in front of a hall in front of 200 people who were around my age and I just spoke. I just public, did a public speech and to a lot of us, public speaking is a big fear. So getting that done, especially to a hall full of people my age, that was a, that really upped my brave. That's awesome. And I like what you're saying about putting, you know, put on a different pair of shoes, which is a, you know, we all need to do that now and then take a different look at something, a different perspective, change our mindset. Um, But I do think now, I don't know when you did that talk, but I think you could rock a talk now because especially with those three points that you mentioned earlier on, you know, turn your negative into a positive, do what makes you happy, things like that. Um, Do what you know is right. You know, that thing. I think you've got a great message. So you might have to do a reprise. Yeah, I might have to... I think I should go back to the principal's office and go, okay, book in that 30 minutes because I'm doing the whole time slot. Yeah, exactly. All right. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience that we can possibly help you with? I would love for Hindus Hot Topics to reach the top 10 charts of the country. Um, why? You know, it's not because of, oh, that'd be cool or for the accolades that come with it because I really want the messages and the conversations that I have with the guests on my show to get out there for people to notice them, for the podcast to be noticed and, and noticed for what it's trying to do and just the messages and conversations to be noticed by people. And, and, and as you will know in the podcast game, so to say, that's the only really way it can, it can happen is if, you're, if your podcast isn't in the top 20, top 10 charts of whatever, people won't want to listen to what you're saying. So I feel that's the only real way where I can really push and drive the conversations and messages and the stigmas I'm trying to break out into the country, the world, to the the young high schoolers' homes, to the mum and dad's houses, on the on, into their cars when they're driving home from work. So my bucket list would be to get the podcast into the top 10 podcasts of the country. Love it. We can definitely help with that. So everyone who's listening, this is my challenge to you. My invitation to you is to look up Hendo's Hot Topics podcast. He's going to tell us where in a moment. And if you can subscribe, but hey, more than that, if you can share the link with one friend um, and ask them to share the link with one friend and boom, we're going to do it. So um, where can they find the podcast? And what I love about it, by the way, is I love that it is for anyone, but I love that because you're young. You know, there might be some teens and 20 somethings out there that maybe don't, maybe they listen to podcasts, maybe they mainly watch TikTok or whatever, but it's like because you're younger, the message will resonate with them rather than coming from someone like me. (laughs) So I think that's great. I think the ripple effect and the potential for impact is great. Hendo's Hot Topics podcast, where can we find it? Uh, If you're an audio listener, if you want to make your drives home uh, entertained, is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. If you're more of a visual listener, you can catch the podcast on YouTube and catch all the shorts and reels on Instagram and YouTube. And that is Hendo's Hot Topics podcast on all of those platforms. Okay. H-E-N-D-O, like Hendo. Yep. O-S, Hot Topics, everybody. Amazing. Okay. So what's coming up for you, other than hitting the top 10 in the podcast, what's coming up for you in the next six months? So I've uh, ticked off my bucket list two 24-hour walks for charity. Uh, one was for I Am Hope and another one was actually started this month for a charity called the Mental Health Club. Um, and so the next six months, I'm really going to try buckle down to either do another 24-hour walk uh, with Hendosol Topics or do a 48-hour podcast in the studio, uh, which you can see the listeners at home can't, but in the studio, do a 48-hour fundraising podcast is in the next six months in the works 
I haven't told anyone. So here you go, people, as uh, what I'm going to try to try to do and put together. You heard it here first on Reality Check Radio. Um, this, these walks that you're doing, are you yeah. staying like local, like in Auckland, or do you actually travel like a certain long distance, or is it more of like a circle situation? So the first one was two years ago in 2021, and that was done at Auckland Domain, just by mm-hmm. the museum there. And the one that was done uh, earlier this month was done at AUT Millennium at the running track there. So that was 24 hours of uh, sleep deprivation wow. and talking to myself. And my foot is actually, I went to football training last week and my foot is still quite swollen. I think I've broken it. So that is, that is good fun. All right. Well, maybe, maybe look into that. Um, you know, I, I, back in the day when I was your age, I did the Southern Traverse, which is a, a very long multi-sport race. It's like five days, you know, sleep when you can, if you want type thing. And yeah. I literally had hallucinations in the kayak, um, you know, and because I just, we were so sleep deprived. So gosh, I, I feel for you doing this 24 hour walks, but good on you. Um, okay. Before we wrap it up, before we wrap it up on the topic of empowering men, mental health, et cetera, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Empowering men, if you're if you're specifically for men, but if you're female as well, this can apply to you. And that is circling it back to the start is just be true to yourself and please take care of yourself. Don't push yourself mentally or physically or push yourself because you're trying to live someone else's dream or become someone who uh, other people want you to be. Stay true to yourself and do what makes you happy. And also, I would like to give a big shout out to my uncle James. Uh, my uncle James is, has been a huge role model to me over my life. Uh, he went through, he, he lost his father a few years ago and, and he was the first person who actually made me realize that it's okay not to be okay. And it's actually okay to speak out because at that time when his, his father took his life, I was actually, I, I tried to take my life a, f- a few months beforehand. And at the ceremony, at the service, Michael James stood up on the on the stage there and he did a speech and he was open about what we're talking about now, that it's okay to be weak and you can still be a man and go see a therapist and cry. And, you know, he was open about that. He said he's going to, he's, he's seeking help and he, he's talking to someone and that he, you know, he, he started letting a few tears go and started crying. And, and that was a really key point that made me realize, hey, you know, I can be a man. I can, I can still be who I am. And, but I can also go talk to people. I can also cry. I can be open about what I've been through because it's not a burden. You know, everyone has journeys and we all have stories and what you've been through doesn't define you. It's what you do for the future. And the past, the last piece of advice is the past is the past. It's, it's a piece of time that we can't change, that we can't control. So don't let the past define you. Focus on the now and the today and how you're going to make tomorrow even better. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Jack. And for people listening, if this episode resonates with you, which I imagine it will, um, you can catch the replay and you can send the replay to someone. And that's a that's a great way to spread the message as well. So you can contact Jack directly, like he mentioned on Instagram, um, Hendo's Hot Topics. Did you have a website that you mentioned? Um, I've got a website that if you go into my Instagram in the bio, mm-hmm. there's a link there called Linktree. And if you tap on that or click on that, it will bring up uh, all the websites and ways you can contact me or get in touch. Awesome. Sounds so good. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jack. Thank you very much for having me and giving uh, me with this opportunity. Amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That was Jack Henderson on the topic of empowering men. Thanks, Jack.
What a cool interview. It was so awesome to talk to Jack Henderson. In this interview, we talked about being a manly man and being honest with your emotions. We also talked about turning your negative into positive. And these three things, do what makes you happy, do what you know is right, and do what you need to do for you. So much wisdom from such a young dude. Um, It was so great to talk to Jack. And if you want to learn more, you can follow him. You can subscribe to his podcast. And of course, he's going for the goal of top 10. So please do subscribe. And also, if you can spread the word to at least one other person and ask them to do the same, that would be amazing for his bucket list. You can look up Hendo's Hot Topics podcast, and you can look that up on all the places, Spotify and iTunes. And you can also follow him on Instagram. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. I'm excited to go across the world right now. I'm talking to Dan Monroe. He is best-selling author and confidence coach, and um, he specializes in helping people like you, to become more socially confident and authentic. Yay. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. There's so many topics that I want to dive into with you. Uh, But before I do, for those of you that don't know Dan, Dan Monroe is a confidence and integrity coach based in Europe, but originally from New Zealand. He specializes in helping people recover from, I love this, nice guy syndrome by building their confidence through bold honesty and advanced communication skills. This is so exciting. Um, hey, before we get into all of those things, I know that you're in the Czech Republic, and I know that you said to me you come to New Zealand for every summer, which is really cool. How is the vibe over there, and what differences are you noticing? Yeah, you know, I was expecting it to be very similar, just kind of like white person culture or something, uh, but it's quite different. Very uh, traditional over here. Um, they still, you know, the ramifications of World War II still have an effect here, you know, the sort of old school communism vibe that's slowly been deteriorated and so on. So culturally, it's actually been quite a shock for me. Mm. And plus the language barrier, a lot, a lot less people speak English than I expected. And it's funny, you know, I did so much work on myself over the last couple of decades I don't know, maybe to be more confrontational and things like that. And then I come here and I can't even speak the language and I can't apply it. So I have to sort of relearn all over again or learn how to interact and stand up for myself and all that stuff without actually understanding what anyone's saying. That's been quite challenging. But the uh, the vibe, I think the best way I can put it would be as if you took, say, 80s New Zealand, you know, where you leave your car unlocked and pretty mm-hmm. much everyone's a tradie for some reason. And you combine that with like hardcore Catholicism. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine maybe what that looks like. But, you know, there's there's a lot of mullets and a lot of crosses. Um, everybody's very traditional. Family is first. That's the top of the hierarchy. That's the biggest difference, I think, with New Zealand. Yeah. I'm not even really sure what the top of the hierarchy is in New Zealand, but I think it's kind of personal ambition and career. But over here, people... Uh, mostly interested in who's in their close circle what's happening with everybody there's so many traditions and events where family get together it's very kid friendly like making sure kids have lots to do on the weekend that's social with the community that's prioritized um so i like that vibe because i'm a new father so coming to a place where 
I know my daughter's going to be seen as a priority by mm. the entire community. That's cool. And that's quite different, I think, from New Zealand. I didn't get that vibe in New Zealand as much. It's more sort of like, yeah, the job's the top priority. Um, and it has its ups and downs. It's kind of, it's, there's a lot of counter kind of play where the thing that I didn't like about New Zealand is awesome here. And then the thing I don't like here is awesome in New Zealand. Scenery, for example, is better in New Zealand, I think. Um, so it's, I think it's good for me to come here and, and mix things up a bit. I've had a whole life in New Zealand and now I've come to have a whole life in a basically an opposite country. Yeah. And you're having an amazing impact. I mean, helping people all over the world. I know you've also got a podcast, which is called the Brojo podcast. Um, but I want to kick off with my first question around something that I saw you do a video on and you talk about um, reputation, but you're actually talking about inner reputation. Can you elaborate on that? <clears throat> sure. Uh, it's actually my clients, one of my coaching clients came up with that term. I'd never thought of it like that before. So reputation is something that everybody cares about to some extent, probably almost everybody, but somebody who's a people pleaser or a nice guy, somebody with social confidence issues, it's one of their number one concerns. Basically reputation is a word to describe how does everybody see me? And a nice guy essentially constantly plays a role to ensure that that reputation is what he wants it to be, whether that's real or not is of no concern to him. He wants it to be, the best possible thing he can think of. And so I'd call that, say, your outer reputation, what other people think you are. And if you focus on that and you try to make that as shining and, and pleasant as possible and as likable as possible, the cost is the inner reputation. What you think of yourself gets sacrificed because you get to have one or the other, basically. You can either make everybody like you or you can like yourself, but you can't have both at the same time. You can't achieve both of those goals simultaneously. So inner reputation is the kind of sense and, and thoughts and everything you get when you're lying in bed and you can't sleep and you've been reviewing your behavior over the last few days, weeks, maybe even years, and whether or not you're proud of what you're seeing, whether or not you like the person that you are, outside of the results you get from other people, you know, and when, when we talk about inner reputation, what we're really talking about is how well your behavior aligns with what you really believe are your core values underneath all the crap that you've been taught or conditioned mm -hmm. or programmed into thinking is the right way to be what you always knew since you were a little baby, what the right thing is, you know, your own moral code, your own principles and how hypocritical you are, how close to that you are the further away i call that the authenticity gap so the further that your actual behavior in real life is from your core set of principles the bigger you feel this gap you feel this distance between you and you and that's the gap that makes you lie awake at night wishing you had said this and wishing you had done that and inner reputation is when that's solid so if you have been constantly impressing yourself with how principled your behavior is with your own integrity, regardless of how other people react or the results you get, you might even lose your job from living with integrity, but you lose your job and you come home and you lie in bed at night and you go, that was the right thing to say. I stand by it. And that's a solid inner reputation where you like you, where you would respect you. If it was another person, you would admire that person. 
and so the whole concept of my work is about building that inner reputation it's about even if other people don't like you and other people think you're stupid or they don't respect you or whatever you're able to metaphorically look in the mirror and go right on that's exactly the person it's the kind of person i hope my daughter brings home one day you know it's it's the kind of person that if they were my friend i'd count myself lucky to have them mm. as a friend the kind of person i wish was my dad right that kind of thinking um i think that's probably the best way to sum it up yeah and i think in the last three years more than ever a lot of people have been challenged in that department you know really thinking like oh, really hyper conscious of the virtue signaling thing, you know, making a decision, even though they didn't feel right, or they felt pressured and things like that. I mean, I made mention, I think just a few weeks back of some bullying that I received recently, like once again, um, from my local, local moms. And, you know, I said once again to myself, you know, I'm not here to be everyone's best friend. And meaning like, you know, of course I want people to like me, but I am, it's more important to me that I stand by my values and I stand up and I certainly am one to jump in the ring if someone else is getting um, bullied or, or pushed back. So, yeah, I think if we can, as much as possible, be proud of the way we behave. And I love that phrase about the authenticity gap that you mentioned. That's so good. Um, yeah. And I guess people do struggle with that a lot. And part of that leads to confidence because confidence is one of those buzzwords that a lot of people are like, oh, you're so confident, or I wish I was more confident. Is there a connection between this inner reputation and overall confidence? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of times when somebody says something like, you're so confident, what they mean is I've got the impression that you're confident. <clears throat> and so often that's not actually the case because what we often call confidence what we see as confidence is usually someone putting on a show to give you that impression which means that they're not confident because a confident person doesn't put on a show they've got no one to impress mm -hmm. so true confidence inner confidence where you like you you would never want to switch places with anyone else in the world this is the train that you want to ride on you like the way this is going and you're invested in it and you would sacrifice the approval of the mums group to keep being this person. That's how invested you are. You'd rather be alone and righteous than well-loved but fake, right? That kind of confidence is absolutely linked to integrity because you earn confidence. You impress yourself. That's, you know, somebody actually challenged me once, like, what's the least amount of words you can use to describe, like, the recipe for being confident? And I just said two words, impress yourself, mm. right? The more often you do that, the more confident you'll be. Impressing yourself is not about results because results are about impressing other people, being rich, getting the promotion, getting the hot partner, whatever it is, being the cool mum. you know, that, that's impressing other people. And quite often that costs you personally. You have to compromise something about yourself to make that happen. The good news is, of course, if you impress yourself, you will also impress the right people for you and it will be effortless. You're just doing your thing and they'll also like that and you won't have to add anything to that. So, you know, I was, when I met my wife, I was going through this hardcore phase of like, I'm going to push everyone away with honesty and I see who can handle it, who's left standing and <laughs> I'll finish saying what I have to say and doesn't hate me. Uh, and she was one of the first people where I was applying that and everything I said made her like me more 
I'm trying to push her away, essentially. I'm trying to show her, like, all the worst stuff about myself, all the horrible darkness, my secret inner world that nobody shows anyone. I was just, like, putting it right out there, right from the start. She just loved every second of it. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I can get away with murder here. Like, I don't ever have to think about what I'm going to have to say in front of her because she just likes it all by default anyway. So I'm off the hook. Confidence. One way to look at confidence is your ability to trust yourself that you will handle what's going to happen. So there's a kind of practicability to confidence, like I'm going to be able to get through life as it occurs. And anxiety is usually kind of the opposite of that. Anxiety is I'm worried that I won't be able to. Right? We don't have anxiety about things we know we can handle. We only have anxiety about things we think we can't handle. Integrity gives you a kind of cheat code for handling things, which is you don't need to be skilled, you don't need to be competent, because doing well is not the goal. Living with integrity is the goal, and you can always do that. So I can look at a situation coming up, say a very unfamiliar situation that I don't have experience in, I'm not well rehearsed in, I'm not skilled or talented. But if I know whatever happens, I'm going to be really honest and brave, and I've proven that to myself for 10 years of being honest and brave, then there's nothing to worry about. I can suck at this thing. I can look like a total idiot and have everyone go online and send me hate mail like they sometimes do or whatever. All that can happen. But I trust that I will be brave. I trust that I will be honest. I'm trusting that whatever happens, I'll have the resilience to crawl my way through it, if nothing else. Right? And that's earned. You can't just tell you. You can't do positive affirmation crap, look in the mirror like, I'm a good person. And your brain's like, no, you're not. <laughs> look at you yesterday. That wasn't very good, was it? You can't do that. You have to prove it. You have to earn it. And it's usually through uncomfortable things, and most commonly it's uncomfortable social experiences. Saying the thing that's awkward in the group, confronting your boss and possibly risking your job, you know, telling something to your partner that might make them want to leave you, uh, it's often confrontational, or it's just you think it's going to be, and it's of course not going to be, but you have shame about something, you know, revealing some dark secret that you think is horrible. Other people are like, oh, everybody does that. They know what your problem is. You know, whatever it is, it's this very uncomfortable emotional situation that you have to go through to earn your confidence. You have to pay it up front. You know, the kind of simplistic idea of if I want to feel good later, I have to feel bad now. I have to pay for this. Most people live the exact opposite of that. They're like, what's the easiest, nicest feeling I can achieve right now? What's the most comfort I can possibly cause myself in this very moment? And in doing so, they, they have to pay for that later. I mean, that was my the first half of my life was always like, what's the easy way out? What's the simplest way to achieve a goal and feel good and have people like me? And the cost of that was just tremendous. I mean, it cost me my entire sense of self it cost me in all sorts of ways you know I, I couldn't sleep i had no one around me who was actually a close connection uh, my job was just for show and i didn't like it i mean there's a whole life that sucks i'd love to know from our from our listeners that are hearing this and we've covered a lot of very cool topics so far you know what is resonating for you and do you feel like you are being a a nice guy in your life or do you feel like you have that courage to, to be the true version of you and, and kind of like Dan's done, like push other people away from your honesty. We would love to hear from you. You can send a text 
2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Because yeah, I was going to ask you, Dan, like, so what was your journey to this point? Like, were you Mr. Nice Guy? And when I hear that phrase, I think like, you know, the guy that all the girls are like, oh, you're such a great guy. But I don't know. Is that what What do you mean? Like, was that your path? You were Mr. Nice Guy, but you weren't living true to yourself and you weren't happy and fulfilled? Exactly. You know, one of the reasons I specialize in nice guy syndrome is it's because it's like a ex-alcoholic working in a rehab, like I've been there right to the very core of it. And I know it. And like drug addiction, nice guy recovery is an ongoing process. You this is it comes from childhood trauma. So this stuff's so deep, you can't even actually do much about it in some cases. Uh, and you just have to learn how to manage it. Nice guy recovery is about like I have urges to people please every day. But I have a different reaction to those urges now. So where I get the urge to lie, I now tell the truth. And when I get the urge to avoid, I now go in. Mm. And that's essentially what nice guy recovery is. But up until about my mid-20s, I was the poster boy for nice guy syndrome. Now, nice guys aren't actually a single type of guy. There's a whole spectrum. I've even identified different types. So from the introvert who hides in the background so they never get in trouble, what I call the wallflower type, through to the type like me, the performer who use an extrovert who impresses people actively to get likes, you know, the, the kind of person who puts on a show. I mean, I literally would be in a band to go on stage to put on a show. Like, <laughs> and the driver was to get as much approval at once as possible, right? Um, but somewhere in my mid-20s, and this is what usually happens for nice guys, is Nice guy syndrome is there because it worked at some point. Usually when you're a child, it worked really well. So if you've got, say, a chaotic home environment, you got, like in my case, I had very strict parents, or you might uh, have bullies at school or, or something like that, and you start people-pleasing and it works. You're like, oh, this is getting people off my back. This reduces the amount of pain I'm experiencing. You're a child. You can't go, oh, I wonder if this is going to cost me when I'm an adult. You know, Maybe I should have it. Children don't think about like stuff like that. They're just like, how do I get out of this hell? And then you keep applying it in high school. And that doesn't work so well, but you survive the nightmare of high school. You know, the Lord of the Flies situation. It gets you. I actually that. loved high school, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe you weren't a nice guy. No, I definitely um, wasn't a nice guy. Well, there you go. Nice guys did not enjoy high school for the most part, but they would have had a lot of validation perhaps if they were the performer type like me. A lot of people saying, you're a good person. I like you. I, how many times I've had girls saying like, you're the nicest guy or that horrible phase. I wish I could find a guy like you. Like not you, but a guy like you, you know. <laughs> you're and, like, I'm standing right here in front of you. Oh, I don't know. I maybe in the thousands of times oh. I've had that exact thought. Um, and because you're getting all this validation, like I was particularly funny, so I got lots of laughs and maybe, and also I was academically gifted. So I get lots of A's and wow, you're so smart. And I wish I was as smart as you. So I get all this validation that said, like, I must be on the right track. Yeah. I mean, accolades and admiration. Well, if I get the certificate. I must have done well, right? The case closed. And then you go out into the real world as an adult and it, now it only sort of works. So I did particularly well in my career, for example, by just being the hardest worker and the most conscientious person and figuring out new things. But my social life tanked and it tanked quickly. Um, and this is hard, especially for a, a red blooded male like myself. You know, I had nothing from women for 
most of my early 20s and nothing to the point where it was the thing I was known for. You know, this guy just can't seem to get anywhere with girls, right? And that's where I started to realize, like, something's not right because there's not something, like, obvious about me that would repulse women. I should attract a few occasionally, sure, but none at all. And it took four years of, of suffering from that particular problem more than anything else for me to go, there's something wrong with me. But not in like a oh, poor me way, more like I'm doing something wrong. I'm, I'm, the way I'm living doesn't work. And I was lucky in the sense that the crisis escalated early for me. So I'm like 24 already going, I can't do this anymore enough. I'll change anything. Unfortunately, most of the people I work for, uh, work with the clients, you know, it's a divorce that does it, or it's 20 years at a crap job where they're just unsatisfied and have no meaning in their life, you know, and they miss out a lot before they take action on this thing because it didn't hurt enough. Their, their strategy worked well enough that they felt comfortable, but they didn't realize how much it would cost them. But I had literally that kind of epiphany moment waking up sweating in the middle of the night like i don't even know who i am i don't know what i stand for i don't know what the point of my life is i don't like it the hell is this what am i doing you know and that led me to start going i've got to look at doing something differently i've got to look at breaking the rules that i follow in some way i've got to look at letting go of whatever i think is the right thing to do and try something else because what i think is the right thing to do clearly just doesn't work in the real world it's it's the investment doesn't have a return on it. I guess even then I knew deep down I was fake. I mean, I was living this nice guy thing, this role, this funny, high achieving, helpful, cool guy that I was being. I was very aware that that was a creation, you know, that in the morning I had to kind of go, all right, crank it up and turn on the Dan Munro show. And I get home and if there's no one home, I just be like, oh, I get to turn it off now, you know. Wow. Exhausting, it sounds oh. That's one of the, you know, nice guys vary a lot, but one of the few things they have in common is they're exhausted because you're a method actor. You are constantly in a role all the time. Every time you see another person, the anxiety comes. Oh, here we go again. I've got to do this thing. Uh, and so if you're working in a group environment and then you socialize after, you know, work and whatever, you, you never get a break. You never <laughs> get to just be you unless you've got like a, maybe one good friend. And I was lucky. I had a, maybe a couple of friends I could – take the mask off with and uh, some nice guys have that they might have I don't know, a brother or a family member that they feel safe with or even a partner sometimes but rarely uh but some nice guys don't and they're always on they don't have a close connection with anyone there's a deep loneliness in being a nice guy uh, one of the phrases i used to use with myself is i feel like an alien hiding amongst the humans and so many nice guys say something like that like there's an invisible wall between them and everyone else and they just kind of observe them like another species and try to figure out how to interact with a species. A lot of nice, nice guys are also neurodivergent as well, so that adds to that kind of difficulty to connect. And they think fitting in is the way you connect, which is like the Dexter way to connect, you know, <laughs> pretend you're not what you are. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't until I was about 25 where I was like, it just hurt enough for me to be willing to try anything. And I actually tried things that were even worse, but it broke me out of the rule following that I was doing. And eventually, kind of long story short, I found honesty. And I didn't realize how dishonest I'd been my whole life because 
if you're a nice guy, you tell yourself you're a good person, which means by default, you must be an honest person. Uh, but there is no honest, nice guy on this planet. So I started being more honest and that was thrilling and it was interesting and it was new. And mm -hmm. at least it gave me this hope, like I haven't tried this one yet. So at least, you know, I've tried all the other things. None of them worked. And uh, the amazing journey with honesty was that honesty in itself was so enjoyable. I was so impressed by myself for doing confrontations or expressing attraction or taking these risks that I'd never taken before, getting my heart pounding and, you know, going towards the nervousness instead of running away. And that not only did I get better reactions from other people, like they were respecting me more, people would love me instead of liking me. And they'd hate me too, but it would be like, oh, I can't believe I can actually handle that. I always thought that would be terrible. Uh, but mostly it was just this growing sense that I was impressed with myself, you know, going home after a social event, being like, I crushed that. And even if no one liked me feeling like that, you know. And the difference uh, it feels like is that it feels good instead of it feeling exhausting and feeling hard. Like, so for the guys that are listening, for the nice guys that are listening or the woman listening that knows some nice guys, like how can they take that first step? Because obviously for you, you said it happened pretty early. For some other guys, it will come to some sort of critical point, um, you know, the breakdown before the breakthrough, as we call it, um, like a, a marriage or a, you know, a job that's just horrible. Um, but what can, how can they take the first step? Do you really think is honesty the path for everyone? Well, each of my clients has a different thing that they need to like put front of center as the main thing to focus on. You know, for guys like me, it was honesty, but it's not always honesty. Um, quite often it's also bravery. So nice guy syndrome is essentially a form of cowardice. It's an avoidance of uncomfortable emotion. I mean, the best way to sum up nice guy syndrome, it is a strategy to control emotions and to keep them in this narrow band that's pleasant to be in, both yourself and others. And it's about getting out of that band. And it almost doesn't matter how you do that. But for nice guy syndrome, it's probably best to do it in a social context, do it with other people. So saying things that you wouldn't usually say or doing things that people will judge you for that you've always wanted to do. You know, I joined a dancing class, for example, knowing what all my West Auckland <laughs> friends would say about me in doing so. But these little steps out, because if you've been a nice guy for a long time, you don't even know who you are. You've been mm. playing the role so long that you've become the role. You know it's not you, but you don't even know what the original actually was. It's never had a chance to breathe and express itself. But if you start being more honest, it comes out, it emerges. You start noticing what you prefer and don't prefer, what you stand for and against, and you're like, oh, that, all that information's in there. It's just been suppressed. It's really exciting to see it come out and see what you believe in. But I think uh, probably the best first step for anybody, especially if this is brand new information for them, is the book No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. He's the guy who coined the term. This is an unofficial psychological disorder, but it absolutely is real. Uh, and that book, if you read that book and go, wow, that's definitely me, then it applies to you and it's time to start this journey. Uh, some people think of themselves as nice guys, but they're actually just narcissistic and they like to call themselves that and their behavior is anything but nice. And they're generally not well liked by people. That's a different thing. That's a delusion. But real nice guys are thought of as nice by other people. And it's just because they've been conned into thinking that. But you start with the book, perhaps, and then 
some form of com combining honesty with bravery, saying things you wouldn't usually say, standing up for yourself, <clears throat> expressing interest in people or how you feel about people directly to their face, mm -hmm. saying no to things you don't want, saying yes to things you do want, pushing back. You know, in any small way, you don't have to start with terrifying things that risk your career. You can start with little things where you're like, I know this person would actually be fine with it. I'd just never do it. Right. I'm just in a pattern of not doing it. So maybe you've got a partner who would be fine with you having a bit more of a spine, you know, or, or you've got a best friend who would totally accept hearing about your traumatic childhood that you usually keep to yourself or whatever. You look for these little chances to practice in a mm -hmm. safe environment. Practice saying things you don't normally say, being who you actually are. In an environment, you're pretty sure it's going to go all right. And then once you get some practice, once you learn putting the stuff into words a bit and, and you're a bit more familiar with it, then you start upping the ante and doing it in situations where I probably might get judged here or this might get a bit of a confrontational reaction or so on. And then you eventually build up to what me and my clients often call the horizon, which is there's some probably some big confrontation you need to have. And once you've had that one, nothing scares you anymore. Yeah, for me, it was expressing attraction directly to a woman as soon as I meet her, because then like all my cards are on the table and I'd never done that with a woman before. I was actually going to ask you <laughs> how soon after you changed your mode of living, you know, you, you embraced the honesty thing. And then did you notice women changing the way they responded to you when you oh, embraced this honesty thing? Night and day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one thing I've learned about. Sort of, women, I don't like to generalize women as if they're all going to respond exactly the same to everything. But one thing that somebody told me when I was 14, I had this friend when I was 14, who even when we were 14, women just loved him. And you look at him and go, I don't know why. He didn't seem particularly interesting. He wasn't a high achiever. He wasn't particularly handsome. He's a sort of a bit of a chubby, kind of funny guy. And women just, they'll line up literally line up to be with him i'd seen it and he was my best friend but he was the opposite of me when it came to girls you know i was just like i don't even know how to talk to them i can't look them in the eye and he said something back to me he's like oh, i just say whatever you think and it didn't click with me back then because i'm a 14 year old and no 14 year old says whatever they think except this dude and because he had been raised by women had sisters and stuff he had learned something that other guys don't learn and that is Honesty is all you need. Honesty is the most attractive thing. It carries everything else with it. Anything else that a girl might be attracted to <clears throat> will come with honesty. Now, it doesn't mean all women will be attracted to you. So nice guys try to make everyone like them. That's their mistake. Because that means nobody can love you. They can only like you because you're bland and generic. <clears throat> but when you're you and that's just shameless you just push that out and, and people can see like man this guy doesn't care what reaction he's gonna get like my god has he no shame there's a niche of women in this world that will think you are amazing just for being like that that will blow them away they can't get enough of it and then all the other women will have a different opinion of you and you have to be he was willing to take that risk i didn't see how often he got rejected because he wouldn't even call it a rejection he wasn't trying to get anything but he was disliked by people as well, which I would never have allowed to happen. And so, you know, 15 years later or something, 18 years later, I stumbled across the same thing by a long, strenuous process of <laughs> gradually incrementing more honesty in my life. And I just, 
you know, I just started to notice for the first time women were an effortless experience for me. I'd just say whatever I think and a, a woman who liked me would just sort of appear in front of me like I hadn't even done anything. It's almost like I felt like they were doing the work, if anything, which was just the opposite experience. But when you're just saying how you really feel, like even just expressing attraction gets you like a five out of the ten points you might need to for a woman to like you because she's just like, wow, a guy who I finally know what he's thinking and I don't have to guess. Like he's already one in a million. So even if I don't like him, I'm impressed by that. I respect it. I remember this one time I went up to a girl on the street and I was, you know, I was always doing it respectfully. I just said, look, I saw you. I think you're gorgeous. I'd say hi. And at least that way I know I tried, you know, and she, she had a boyfriend and she wasn't particularly interested in me, but she was just blown away that I actually had the balls to go and do that. She'd never seen that before in her life. And we ended up talking for like 10 minutes um, and she actually thought it was a scam at, at the start because no guy ever does this. This must be some YouTube prank or something. And I remember this because I, I put her hand on my chest and she could feel a heart out. My heart was beating. I'm like, no, I'm nervous saying this. Like, this isn't some crap. Like, I might look confident, but this is a big push for me. And that just blew her mind. And I think that was the bit that actually blew her mind where I was willing to reveal how nervous I was in this kind of undeniable mm. way. Like my body can't lie. I just don't think she'd ever had a guy be that transparent with her, but without apology, without kind of like trying to soften the blow or sugarcoat it. <clears throat> I got to jump in because I mean, I haven't been in the dating scene for 20, whatever years, but right. I think it's what I'm loving about everything you're saying is you're basically saying to people, you know, giving them the permission or the freedom or to, to be who they actually are to not try to filter their thoughts and say the quote unquote right thing or not, you know, and not trying to make everyone like them, just being themselves, having the, the courage to do that. And then with the woman thing, it's not trying out lines or like a script or like a five steps to get your girl. It's nothing like that. It's literally just saying what's on your mind instead of saying, dumbing it down or making it sound cooler. You're just like, literally like feel my heartbeat right now. And she's like, oh my God. That's what I'm loving is that it's basically telling people just be authentic and then you will, when you express who you are, then life will be better, easier, more fun. And it is that simple on paper. In real life, what this means is you're going to be emotionally uncomfortable way more than you want to be. Mm. That's what it, that's Which is what front. they've been avoiding the whole time. Ironically, and feeling emotionally uncomfortable because they've been avoiding it. I mean... But it's only been a nice a guy for a course. while. Most of the time being miserable anyway. It's just a different type of misery. And this one at least gets results. But the just be yourself is often somebody think of only their weaknesses being shown and in some apologetic, pathetic way. But what we're talking about is, you know, the best advice I ever got with women probably, and again, it didn't click for 10 years, uh, was a guy said, oh, treat her like she's already your girlfriend. Like she's your girlfriend of 10 years. And what he's really saying is don't be any different to how you'd be with someone you're completely comfortable with and nothing to lose, nothing to like prove. And I applied it, you know, I'd be on a date and it's a first date instead of that nervous jittery energy where you go, oh, so what do you do for a job? I mean, I wouldn't ask my girlfriend of 10 years what she does for a job. <laughs> right. So don't ask that question. I'd just say, you know, how's your day been? As if I'd, you know, just seeing my girlfriend again after another day and I'd tell her about my day. 
you know, and <laughs> this, is, this is a weird one, but I remember I went on a first date and I needed to fart. So I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And I just farted right on the first date. It actually impressed her that I did that and she relaxed so much after I did that. And I was just like, oh my God, I can really get away with murder. Like I can do anything. Now, I'm not trying to give the impression that heaps of girls had crushes on me or something because I was like this. But the few who liked me really liked me and I didn't have to do anything. It was, it was just effortless with those women. Did you have more energy too? Because remember we talked about how exhausting it was to wear that mask. I'd say that might be the best part is it's like taking off a backpack full of bricks that you've been carrying your whole life and you didn't realize how heavy it was. Like I had anxiety my whole life without knowing I had anxiety because it was constant. Mm. And then after practicing honesty for a few months, uh, really intensely, I was driving one day. I'm like, something's different. And I just, I was like, I feel different. What was that? And I realized there was an absence of anxiety I was feeling. There was no buzzing in my stomach. That's all it was. It was just a light kind of uh, like the feeling after you've just been for the toilet, you know, and you're just empty. It was just, ah. it was just like, I'm like, wow, I don't remember the last time I felt like this. And I just, my anxiety had slowly disappeared and I hadn't been watching it. I didn't notice. And just the loss of that feeling. To just be like, well, to move into like a party full of people I don't know and feel as comfortable as I do sitting on the couch watching TV. I was like, oh, this is sweet. This mm. is the whole world's open to me now. I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, that alone for me sells it. Like I, that's enough of a reward where you get nothing else but that. It's worth it. It's worth the effort. At the front. Well, I'm excited for some of our listeners to not so much try this, but just, yeah, embrace it in their life. The Go the honesty pathway and see what results follow. You guys can um, go and follow Dan as well on his socials, which I'll ask him about in a minute. So that, And also, I want to hear about your coaching. So I'll ask you in a minute about that. But let's go to the up your brave question. What is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, fatherhood does it every day, but <clears throat> uh, we just got back from a trip to Mexico and so taking it well mexico in the states but taking a two and a half year old through the rougher parts of mexico that was a big push for me i uh actually having a kid kind of it wasn't a back step exactly but more, a new type of anxiety came up for me uh, that i'd never had before where somebody else's protection became a very very big deal and it wasn't about impressing people and so taking her to a country yeah she's naive to risk i have to manage it all for her yeah that was a big push for me um and it was also a push for me in terms of a kind of self-sacrificing that i'd started doing as a parent where i was like there's a bit too much suffering on my end to keep her happy and that's you know that's an old path i've been down before i don't want to do that again so going on a trip which was nice for me and enjoyable for me that was actually quite a big push for me to let that happen and allow myself to enjoy it and not just make it all about my daughter the whole time. Um, so that was a big push for me, actually. That was probably the biggest one I've had in a, quite a long time because I've actually been struggling to find new things to be brave about after going so intense for a few years. Yeah. Well, you know, taking care of somebody else, a little one, it's huge. It changes things. Um, what about the bucket list? So what is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you to do? 
Well, I don't know how much help I need, frankly. Um, and it's funny because a lot of my bucket list stuff is ticked off. Uh, I just want to do more traveling. And my, my business is what will help me travel. So, uh, What is one country you'd love to go to? Brazil comes up. Uh, and actually all of South America is as yet untouched for me. So I'm really keen to check out Brazil, uh, take the family there without dying. That would be nice. That'd be good. Yeah. Well, any advice from our listeners, if you've been to Brazil or South America, you might have some do's and don'ts to share. Um, all right. What's coming up for you in the next six months with, with business or life and how can people reach out and connect with you online? Cool. Yeah. I've just recently done a bit of a shift in my business and the main thing for people who are interested in my stuff is I do a daily short newsletter, a daily dose of integrity. Um, and if people are interested in that, they can come and check that out. Uh, it's everywhere I'm posted, my YouTube, my Facebook podcast, everything, it all leads back to this newsletter. I'm happy to send the link to anyone. And I do these nice little short clips with little practical tips. And that's because I really want to focus on building out my courses. I've got a library of courses that I've been creating. Brojo University, we call it. Nice. And I've only made like six of them in 10 years, and I want to actually start really pumping them out now because a lot of people find them super helpful, especially someone who's not quite ready for coaching yet. They want to do some stuff on their own. The courses give them a lot of practical guidance. So people want to check out the courses. That's the best way to find out if I'm the right person to help you probably. Okay. So would they go to theinspirationallifestyle.com for that? Yep. They can go there. That's my main website. And from there, you can find my blog posts, which will take you to my newsletter. And under products, I think there's a products page, which has my courses on it. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that because... You know, I'm a business coach as well, but I, what I love is the impact it can have. And I'm excited about the impact you're going to have, not just for men, nice guys, but for the wives and the girlfriends and the kids, because the, the ripple effect of a man going from basically wearing a mask and being exhausted and scared of being who he actually is to a transformation and a freedom of him becoming who he is, it's just going to affect so many people. That's what I believe, you know, when I look at like, what's the best thing I can do for the world, this is the touch point where the biggest ripple out effect and, and my favorite kind of client usually is a father, actually, because if the kids are young enough, we can still turn this ship around, you know, he's been role modeling some weakness to those kids that they're going to have to recover from, or they can watch him change and that can inspire them, you know, especially if you can get you know, kids who are going into high school and that's when they're going to be their most fake, mm. right? If they have a role model at home, it says you don't have to do that, but it says it with behavior, not with words. Yeah. And but actually shows how it can be done and shows someone who's willing to pay the price and can handle the, you know, the cost of being disliked occasionally and so on. You know, uh, kids are still very malleable. Most of my clients report having a nice guy parent or a nice girl parent, one or the other that mm. they modeled. Uh, and so we're talking about breaking a chain, which of I'd call it abuse. You know, if wow. you raise a child to be a people pleaser, you're causing as much damage as somebody who beats a child, for sure. You know, people pleasers have horrible long-term suffering from behaving that way. And people pleasing is usually something they had to do to keep the parents in line. 
So if you're a parent that your kid doesn't have to do that with you, if it's safe to be honest with you, if it's applauded, if standing up for yourself and doing what's right for you is prioritized over what's convenient for the parents and so on, uh, that kid's going to do very well as an adult, but they won't be a totally convenient kid to raise, right? So they're going to have a backbone and they're going to say no to you and you need to be able to say, good, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Even super annoying, right? So, but generally... In my opinion, the best way to parent is to just role model. Show them what it means to be a strong, confident person. The the kids will do the rest with that information. You don't need to tell them anything. They'll watch, you know. It's so interesting because in my world, and I work mainly with women, you know, we talk a lot about people pleasing, very common with women. We talk a little bit about generosity burnout, but I've never really discussed it from the man's perspective, which is why I'm so thrilled I got to talk to you today. Um, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Just take it seriously. If this stuff applies to you, if what you're hearing, and this nice guy syndrome is just a term, women, people, please, everybody does it. If you think, oh, but I get nice-ish results and I get through the day and nobody hates me, then you're just not at the end of where this goes yet, but you will be. I deal with the divorces. I deal with the people whose kids won't call them. I deal with the people who want to commit suicide in their 50s because their life's been a waste of time. This is where that goes. This is mm. a small thing that just gets you by. There's a huge cost to this. And you need to, yeah, you need to take it seriously before you get to the point where you're forced to because it's really hard to change when you're, you're older and you've been doing this for decades and you feel forced to. But if you choose to, if you're like, you know what, I'm going to nip this in the bud now, it's much easier to deal with. Basically, my greatest tragedy as a coach is people coming to me too late. You know, you mentioned the partners of nice guys. That's usually who I hear from first. Yeah. My wife going, I can't take it anymore. Do something with him. <laughs> and he's like all resistant. He's like, I'm fine. And then they've already come to me too late. The divorce happens. The breakup happens. And then the guy goes, oh, shit, maybe it was me. You know, I'm like, well, if you talked to me five years ago, you might have saved this marriage. But it's too late. So let's let's save the next one. You know, and that's kind of most of my work, which is a bit tragic. Well, this, you know, this um, show this week, we're talking about empowering men. And I think that that's what it's about. It is about not just the wife going, hey, hey, honey, this is a good course for you to do. But about the men going, actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to do it. Because what you're selling, you know, what you're, the the freedom, the energy that, that you know, guys will get from do- dropping the whole Mr. Nice Guy thing. I mean, they can still be awesome and they can still be super nice and loving and all the things, but they're just the more genuine version of themselves. And when you're honest with someone, they know where they stand instead of just guessing and walking on eggshells or whatever. So I'm excited about the outcomes. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today. No worries. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Awesome, guys. So big, make sure you check him out. Brojo Podcast, where can they find that? Uh, probably if you just Google Brojo Podcast, you'll, you know, it's on Spotify and YouTube. It's all the different things, whatever your favorite platform is. All the places. And, um, and also, so Dan Monroe at theinspirationallifestyle.com. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Thank you. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. I absolutely loved talking to Dan Monroe. We talked about nice guy recovery. We also mentioned the outer versus inner reputation, combining honesty and bravery, the authenticity gap. And I loved his tip about impressing yourself being the key to confidence. 
and living with integrity is the goal. So many amazing tips and insights there from Dan. He's so incredible. I actually went and looked him up on SoundCloud and he's got a whole bunch of videos and audios that you can listen to. A few topics that he's got just to give you some idea is how to start a successful service-based business like coaching, how to be more attractive without sacrificing your integrity and ethical marketing strategies, et cetera. He's got so many great tips. You can check him out, theinspirationallifestyle.com. He's in all the places, uh, Instagram and, and everywhere else. And it was just so amazing to get some insights on that nice guy recovery. If that resonates with you, that topic, definitely let us know. We're keen to hear. Thanks for tuning in to RCR. Reality Chick Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So get in touch with us now. You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. And I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, talking to today the awesome and inspirational Mark Mandino, Mandino um, from AdventureWorks. Mark is an adventure lover and a man on a mission. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Happy to be here. Good to have you on the show. Can you please say your surname for me again? Um, Mandino. Mandino. Got it. Got yeah. it. <laughs> so Got today it. we're going to be talking about the topic of moving forward after massive challenge. And for those of you that don't know Mark, Mark has been an, uh, a lover of the outdoors and outdoor adventure for ages. In 2015, while teaching his children how to surf, he sustained a spinal cord injury that left him with significant impairment in most of his body as quadriplegic. With this, Mark is determined to live the most fulfilling, enriching, satisfying, and meaningful life possible um, in spite of this situation. That is amazing. Obviously, that was a while ago, 2015. Um, can you give us, can you tell us more about it? Tell us a little bit more about what led you up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had my, my life has been in the outdoors, venturing and just enjoying 
exploration, our natural environment. And, you know, obviously that's significantly body dependent. <laughs> so, you know, a huge amount of my uh, personal identity, um, you know, involved in my work uh, my, and my recreation was all about being in the outdoors um, and, and getting others into the outdoors and, you know, sharing my love and the personal development that I'd experienced uh, through our natural environment and through challenging ourselves and pushing our boundaries, experiencing the adversity and the decision-making and the camaraderie, you know, the friendship, um, the, the, you know, the, the feeling of achieving something, you know, really significant through that adversity in the outdoors. That was all a huge part of my identity. And, you know, and I formed my working career around that as well. You know, as a, a, a guide, an instructor, uh, became a secondary school teacher running an outdoor education program, you know, um, you know, providing those experiences for school students. Um, and then 2015 came around, you know, the most uh, unexpected moment. Just it was the last day of a, a summer holiday with uh, my wife and three kids. And we were in the beach pretty much having the last swim uh, before jumping in the car and heading off home. And, uh, yeah, I grabbed the, the surfboard, uh, jumped on a wave, little wave, nothing too spectacular considering all of the considering all of the opportunities that I'd provided myself to be injured up to that point you know, in the mountains and on rivers and biking and exploring there it was you know just little reforming waves at a beach with my kids and jumped off the surfboard and uh yeah, it was shallow I it was a sandbar or a bank or something or other and I impacted that uh head first and uh dislocated my neck uh, right in that moment and uh, yeah instantly paralyzed instantly you know, quadriplegic um, so that was you know that was 2015 that was a reasonably long time ago and you know here I am now you know, still trying to live my life you know, through the same uh, desire for experiences and exploration but now it's just a totally different realm of opportunities limitations um yeah but the same trying to live through this with the same attitude same yeah the, the same meaning and purpose yeah I guess you do get a lot of people saying to you wow you had so many you did so many crazy dangerous outdoorsy things and it was surfing are people really surprised by that and um yeah, and yeah, yeah. Were they, are they really surprised by that when they hear the yeah, story? Yeah, I, I think people expect some sort of dramatic, you know, story of extremes yeah. uh, cause the injury. But no, it wasn't. And, and I wasn't that extreme anyway. As my as an adventurer, I was I was pretty moderate. I mean, I I just loved it. I loved being in the outdoors. I loved pushing my own personal boundaries, you know, and, and taking risks um, that I felt like I was capable of. Uh, of being okay with and, and I, I had pretty you know I had pretty moderate risk-taking uh, behavior in the outdoors but I but what I, I I think that 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 willingness to um, explore possibilities has been a really significant um, 
you know, positive factor in, in trying to learn to live in a wheelchair. Um, you know, life can become quite small. Um, you know, the, the opportunities to live, you know, uh, and, and have interesting experiences become just so drastically limited um, when, you know, from a wheelchair. It's crazy how, how, I mean, just the chair itself, but then also just trying to live with an injury like this, you know, people see the wheelchair and that appears to be the significant, you know, obstacle, but there is so much more that is, that is not seen, you know, just managing thermoregulation of my body temperature. Um, you know, I don't feel anything from pretty much my chest down. Uh, I, I can't, I, I don't actually feel my body and my body doesn't experience um, heat and cool the way it used to. Um, so managing that and just you know, dealing with um, you know, just things like a catheter and um, my my hands don't work, you know. So um, my, I've got my shoulders and my biceps work, but I can't pinch things with my fingers and pick things up. So you know, just just trying to trying to just get through a day can be a big enough and you know challenge. Um, and then you know what for me. A big risk now might be trying to go into the city by myself and do something, <laughs> meet somebody, or you know, go and just do something which previously wouldn't have been a second thought. It just, just now, in the environment and this body means that just day to day activities are risky enough. Well, it's it is like we're calling this episode "Massive Challenge," and it, that I mean a huge, massive challenge to lose that mobility. And then of course, when you're an outdoorsy adventurous person, you kind of hit on it there a little bit. I'd love to ask you if it's okay. What do you wish members of the public you know, knew or what would you like to say to them about, um, we'll get into some inspirational stuff later, but about being in a wheelchair with what do you wish we knew or mm. what would you like to say to us? Because um, I, yeah, I imagine there's just some things like people maybe look at you, they look away, or they maybe talk to you if they see you in a cafe, or maybe like I don't know. What do, we, what do you want us to know? Yeah, I mean we're 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 just people living our lives like everyone else, and you know, I, I I experience all sorts of different responses to being in the wheelchair. You know, the um, everything from from warm welcoming, you know, uh, invitations of help to um, being ignored. It's the weirdest feeling, you know. Being you know, experiencing not being seen uh, mm. is really bizarre. You know, like I, I was thirty nine when I had the injury, so this this whole living in the wheelchair is kind of like a foreign, you know, it's foreign to me. Um, so you know, I I was at Noel Leeming's the other day, and you know, it, it, I, I had to make myself seen, you know, to get help. Um, it was the weirdest experience, but it was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I guess my, my, my ask is, is that look at people that might have different, you know, impairments or things that are making their life hard and just see them as another person living their life, doing the best they can. It's okay to ask if they need support or help with something, Yeah. I, I do my own groceries, you know, like I chuck a basket on my knees and I roll around the shop and I can hardly ever reach anything, but I just ask people mm -hmm. to 
help out. And I have these really beautiful interactions as well, you know, with strangers. You know, there's something really personal and connecting by, by me saying to somebody, can you get that off the shelf? And oh, I never have a no, <laughs> you know, there's never a no. Um, and, and we smile and we, and we, you know, there's just this lovely little connection that happens. So, you know, yeah, don't be afraid. That, that's what I'd say. We might have people listening that are in a similar boat. I imagine we will. Um, so sending you love as well. Um, but we'll also definitely have people listening who have had in their life a massive challenge, mm. whatever that looks like. It might not be a wheelchair. Um, and we, we all know there's tons of different massive challenges, whatever that looks like to someone, whether it's a health thing or you know death of a sibling or whatever. What guidance or advice can you draw on from your own journey that you can share with someone who currently is facing a massive challenge, who wants to be able to move forward and get on with their life? Any words of wisdom or something that helped you to move forward? Yeah. Uh, One of the biggest challenges that I had to make sense of was feeling totally disconnected from my life, but there it was right in front of me. Yeah, you know, it was it was really strange experience to to have uh, to 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 not be able to participate in my life and become an observer. Oh, basically, that happened overnight. I went from being an an active participant in my in my life to becoming an observer of what my life was. You know, and I was it's like being on the sidelines but wanting to play the game. <laughs> you know, like playing with my kids. Um, all of a sudden there I was sitting in a wheelchair watching my kids and trying to engage with them and play an activity. And as a participant, the way I was, was really hard. And and the, the point that I want to make here is that while I was committed to believing that that was the only way that I could have a meaningful activity with my kids, I experienced loss. You know, that was suffering because that was that was what I wanted, but I couldn't have. And the more I focused on what I couldn't have and what I wanted, the harder it was. You know, that was then I'd be in, I'd be present with them and suffering inside and, and not even be able to be with them, even though I couldn't participate with them. So the 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 learning for me was to go right what can i do here you know what have i got control of that i can take responsibility for in this very moment in this you know in this moment and there's always something that that i can take responsibility for and take control of and engage in that moment in a really purposeful meaningful and engaging way it's not the way it used to be so I had to be really open-minded with myself, had to be really present with what's going on in that moment that I could be grateful for, that I could want in my life, and that I could see that was happening, that was giving me something satisfying and purposeful, and then connect with it and try to forget about what it used to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that that was it was really hard. But what else was there? You know, it's either want it to be different and suffer or be present and enjoy what's possible and what's happening right now. Yeah. And I mean, that is such a brilliant life lesson. Um, And 
wisdom to live by for anyone at any stage, but specifically people that are going through a massive challenge. Obviously not easy to do, easy to get, to get stuck into what was, um, but interesting about being an active participant um, and then going from an, to, an, to becoming an observer. Yeah. The weird, like, you can't explain it. You know, you can't, ex- without experiencing it, it's hard to explain it. And it, but it's just like being on the sidelines, but wanting to be on the team mm. and just that longing. Oh, we're hard, really hard. You know, uh, so it's just that that identity with the body and the being able to do stuff, um, the experience of being helpless and hopeless and useless and, you know, being just seeing things, oh, the frustrating experiences of seeing something in my immediate space that could be done by me and not being able to do it was so hard, particularly when it was my kids trying to do something or fix something or move something or, you know, it's like, oh, well, I can't help with that. It was, it was yeah, really hard to make sense of and get used to. It's that, that sudden, you know, that sudden change from the, the, the injury was, was, yeah. So learning how to um, not identify myself with all those things and yeah. find some new way of associating with who I was as a valuable person to the people around me. Yeah, that that was that was the journey. And I'd love to ask about um, terminology as well. So you know the word disability, which I I know mm. you mentioned to me beforehand that you don't really like that word. Can you, you talk to me about that? About what? Why you don't like it? What word do you prefer? Um, and I imagine there's lots of people that have the same views. So it's great for us to hear straight from you about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never liked the word disability uh, from right from early on, um, and I wasn't really sure why. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, but you know, um, through through my work now, uh, you know, there's we're a registered private training establishment, and there's quite a lot of activity going on around making learning accessible to a wider range of people. Um, and then through our, our outdoor recreation activities that we provide, there's a lot of effort going on to making recreation available to a wider range of people. And this word disability just keeps coming up and up and up in my life. And I was like, oh man, what? So I had to really take a look into it and think about what it was that's going on here. So the way that I see it is that, in, in my view, disability is a really clumsy noun. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not an identity for me. I don't identify myself as as a disabled person. So then I thought, well, what what is going on? So the word that makes the most sense is impairment. I I have an impairment, and as a result of my impairment, I experience disability. So my experience of the world when I'm separated from um, things that I want to do places that I want to go, opportunities for careers, opportunities for resources and things like that, then I experience being disabled. But what is objective for me is that I have an impairment. So this is like looking at the the, the two, two different definitions of disability um, that, that have come, you know, that, that are being used at the moment. One being the medical model, which identifies the 
the, the problem is the person, that the, the impairment is the problem, that's the disability. And the social model of disability, which is that you know, people are, are um, they experience dis disability through because of uh, physical environments, um, social um, uh, prejudice, uh, unconscious bias, um, and, and things like that. So I, I far more uh, align with the idea of social disability mm. as a definition and that I experience being disabled from the life that I want to live and could live as opposed to being identified as being disabled. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so important for us to hear that. And, you know, my friend Genevieve McLaughlin, she's based in Wellington. She actually used to go around to different workplaces and find basically making them wheelchair friendly. She herself um, has cerebral palsy. She's in a wheelchair as well. And um, yeah, I think just awareness for us around how it feels and what, you know, what words we, they are yeah. a little bit in, inappropriate, but um, impairment. So like when we, people say hearing imp impaired, similar. Yeah. Same, same as that, you know, and like what, what other, what other way of identifying somebody has the prefix dis in front of it? I know. You know, like there is no other word that descri describes a person with the word dis. It's such a negative prefix. You know, it, the, the, the word, the, that prefix itself is the start of, you know, um, uh, negative stereotypes. Um, so, I, I, th I mean, the word, the word is everywhere and it's, it's used in policy and it's, you know, Sport New Zealand use it to describe their action plan you know, Tertiary Education Commission use it to describe their action plan, and the intent is really great. You know, the, the intent is to is to make more opportunities available for a wider range of people. I'm all for that. Mm. I just think this is a really clumsy word to identify this wider range of people as. Yeah. But, you know, and having said that, I really do. There, there are people that want to be identified with that word because that is the way they identify themselves. And I totally respect that as well. No, if, if, yeah, that, that may be really important for someone's well-being to be able to identify themselves with the word disability, but I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what I'd love to know also is, um, do you have a certain person or a certain mantra or phrase or anything that you really go to, to kind of help you? Because obviously you've got a great mindset, but I imagine it's not like suddenly you work through things and now you're positive and life is good, right? You go through times or even days when you can't reach for something and it's just like, ugh, like it's a constant, mm. it's constantly um, navigating through. So do you have a certain person or a certain practice that you do to help you get through in terms of the motivation side of things? mindset well i mean the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is that just that, that what i've learned how i've learned to remind myself that there's something to be grateful for in this moment right now you know suffering seems to be really easy to experience in my life you know difficulty suffering um it, it seems to be like an undercurrent which i don't have to look very far for and if I let my guard down in a way, it's right there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, to there is always something on top of that that is worth, that is important, and that I can be grateful for, and that I can have some enjoyment out of having in my life. So, 
doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I go to. Yeah, that that is that is it. You know, there is always something there that I can be grateful for, and there's always something that I can consciously choose to do in that moment, regardless of how hard it is, that can lift my you know my experience in the world. Yeah. Amazing. I would love to know about your business because I, you know, I have a background. I don't know if you know in adventure, um, you know, and well, not adventure tourism in, but in um, outdoor education. So when I was in Canada growing up, my mom's best friend's son, actually, it's quite a sad story, um, died at cave Creek. And um, however, for him, it was such a time of joy in his life before the accident. And he just found who he was and he found his people. And I remember her telling my mom about the good stuff. And I also felt really sad about the sad stuff. But what it actually was pivotal for me, because at the end of university, I was like, everyone's like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to get a job? And I'm like, I'm going to go to my home country where I'm genetically from, but I've only visited multiple times. And I'm going to just go and explore my Kiwi heritage. And so I went for one year <laughs> and I looked at going to Greymouth, Taipudinu Polytech, which is where Cave Creek, Cave, mm. Cave Creek happened. Yep. So sending love to anybody who had, um, oh, had somebody yeah. there, sending uh, huge love to anybody. And I also looked at Auraki Polytech in Timaru. I ended up going to Auraki Polytech in Timaru, meeting amazing friends, having an amazing time, meeting my future husband. And I've literally been back to Canada twice. So the one year turned into 27 and here I am. So um, I have a background in the outdoors then. Oh, uh, right. So you did um, ad- Adventure yeah. racing, the yeah. Southern Traverse, multi- right. um, Outward Bound, and things like that. So I, I also share a love of the outdoors back mm. in the day. What I'm, Where I'm going with my story is I would love to hear more. Obviously, you ha- you you your business, which I imagine was already going, or no, you were a guide. What yeah. does your business look like now? It's called Adventure Works, but who is it for? Is it for anyone or... What do you what do you do like day to day? What does it look oh, man. like? We've got a wide variety of things that we do, but it's all based on one common purpose, which is around um, you know growth in the outdoors. So growing people through through outdoors outdoor experiences and being in the outdoors. Um, the way that we do that is really varied. So we have uh, everything from instructor training qualifications, you know, similar to what you did down at Araki. We run a two year diploma in outdoor adventure and education. Uh, We run training uh, qualifications for people that are working at the moment uh, for upskilling and improving their professional practice. And then we go, that's our train the trainer stuff. And then we do our our rangatahi uh, outdoor experience programs. There's a big range of those, everything from working with students that are in schools, supporting outdoor education subjects, outdoor education camps, um, through to uh, working more with community groups and you know, supporting young people through their their more challenging times that they're having in their life mm. uh, through outdoor experiences and outdoor adventure. Yeah, and it uh, it was I had to I've run the business longer out of the wheelchair than I have you know uh, while my legs were working. Um, so I had the business for about four years prior to the accident. Right, and it was. Um, it was a big move, you know. I went from secondary school teaching to I bought the business, um, and uh, you know, it was it was me and a couple of staff when I had the accident. Uh, 
And oh my gosh, I hated that business after the accident. You know, it was, mm. I checked out. It was just another symbol of something that I'd lost and that I couldn't participate in. Uh, and just the fact that the business survived over those those couple of years is a testament to the people that were, you know, there and that kept it going and that went way over and above their, you know, what was reasonably expected of them. But so grateful that they did. And now, you know, it's, I don't know, several times bigger than it was <laughs> when I had the accident. Um, but I, you know, I had, I just, I love it. I love the people that are in it. I love what we do. Um, I had to really, you know, readjust the way that I engaged and how I saw myself as valuable to the business. Uh, I wasn't able to be out there in the field with our clients anymore. So I, you know, I had to readjust, you know, what, how do I get satisfaction and meaning out of this business in a way that, you know, I, I couldn't anymore that, what gave me my satisfaction was, you know, just that good feeling of, of helping people, giving them these outdoor experiences and seeing them grow and helping them, you know, become something bigger as a result of these experiences. So I just turned that, I turned that attention to my staff and yeah. went, right, I, I can't work with our clients, but I can help grow my staff. And I've just been really committed to that over the last few years. And it turns out that it was, it's worked out well. Yeah. So within that, what would you say your um, your specialty is? You know, meaning like if you're growing your staff, what is the secret ingredient? What is it that you, that you um, do to, because it's obviously working? Well, uh, firstly, it's being really honest with myself. Yeah. Being authentic and courageous in the conversations that I have and what is true for me and and sharing my truth and and then being able to listen to what's true for them and you know get really listening to what's going on and and trying to understand that and empathize and be present with with what their experience is but you know that that for me that starts with me you know, I, I've got to be empathetic and honest and true with what I'm feeling and and with what's going on for me before I can receive that from others uh, so starting there and then and then just being focused on helping them achieve you know what what their vision for themselves is you know so what what is your vision what you know what what is what does your life look like in the next year or five years and how can we work together to make that happen you know what what can we create in this business that is aligned with the purpose of the business and your purpose, how, how closely, you know, the closer those two, those two things can align, um, the less it becomes work and the more it becomes, you know, an inspirational day of doing amazing things. Wow. I mean, I'm, I, everyone would, would love to have a boss like that or someone running a business that is asking those questions. So rather than, all right, what are you focusing on today? It's like, okay, what is your bigger vision for yourself? How can we bring it into alignment? I love that you're you're thinking of those things, but I'm not surprised because same, I come from that background where it was personal discovery using the outdoors as a medium for personal growth. And a lot of people think it's just about, you know, kayaking or rock climbing, yeah. um, but it's so much more. And it's so cool to see that you're nurturing your staff so well. Um, very, very cool. Once I, in one of my interviews, I talked about one of my favorite books called The Big Five for Life with John Strzelecki. 
And in their workplace, they had everyone write on the wall what their big five, the five things they want to do, be, and experience in their lifetime, kind of like a bucket list, but only five things. And um, because people shared these on the wall, they'd be like, oh, you know, you want to travel to India? Oh my gosh, my cousin went last year and these are some things that you should know. And so they would, everyone would be aware of each other's big five and they would all be on board. And as a result, the staff turnover went down, the productivity went up, all those, you know, those things, the measurables. But um, then the connection between the staff members was just solidified. It was just so cool. So it sounds like you're doing, you know, similar-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, I, what, the other thing I'm aware of is is my own unawareness. You know that that there, there's. I, I really I really like the idea the the concept of you know our shadow, that what what we've repressed and denied and, and pushed away, um, and it's part of our it's part of who we are. It's part of who I am, and it finds its way out. Um, not consciously, but it has a big impact on on my life, you know. So, so you know, the business has has really been a, a the injury and the business are the two things that have had me had to look turn around, you know, turn from facing forwards and turn backwards and inside myself and really take a look at at these responses and these reactions and these feelings, you know, th- these big feelings that 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 come out and you know dominate the, the you know a moment unconsciously so yeah uh, you know the, i'm really aware you know i described what i do well in the business but i'm also really aware of of, of the other side of it yeah which is just as important so you talked about the shadow side of you we'd yeah. love to know from listeners that are listening um what is resonating for you um what you know if you're going through a massive challenge at the moment um, what is your massive challenge and how do you help yourself move forward? Also, um, if you had a positive experience in the outdoors and, you know, um, we'd love to hear about that too. Um, you can text us in 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. Uh, I'd also love to ask you, Mark, about at your workplace um, or maybe in your life, what are some practical things um, that people can do to either reflect on themselves because a lot of people don't, they just move forward and they just do their to-do list or their tasks, but they don't actually take time to pause and reflect. So a practical exercise you can share with us either around self-reflection or positivity, you know, moving forward, things like that. Mm. Triggers and judgment. So, you know, how um, to, to, for, for me, when I'm triggered by something, it's an opportunity to take that look in to see what I'm not conscious of that I am placing on that other person, you know. So when when I when I have a strong emotional response to to something or someone, uh, stop. Notice what's going on within myself, and then ask myself, what is about what is going on here that I am projecting onto this person that is actually mine, and get to know that. First, yeah, triggers are opportunities for self-awareness. That that is how, yeah, that is my learning. So great. And did you think like that before the accident? 
Oh, somewhat. I did. Yes, to some degree I did. Yeah, I mean, mm. I trained as a counsellor as well prior to the accident. I, and I worked as a counsellor. And in, 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 in so, you know, I'm really aware of some of these psychological and psychodynamic theories of, of personality and self and um, the way, yeah, yeah. But it's it's so true. And triggers, just for some people that might not have heard of that term, you know, you get triggered, you actually often will feel it in your body, like a fire yeah. kind of starting to burn in your belly and you someone said something or someone did something and you're triggered. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by triggered and how can that show up? Yeah, just a strong emotional response to something in a moment, um, usually related to another person. Uh, so, you know, a, a rejection of something that somebody says or a uh, a strong feeling of, of somebody being wrong and, and wanting to tell them why they're wrong <laughs> and how they're wrong. Uh, anger. Um, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's for me, it's uh, when I, when I pass, when I, when I make that judgment of somebody, um, I, I usually, usually there's an unmet need within myself that I'm not attending to. So, you know, the the the, the person is just a, you know, the, they, they might have done something in the world which which might not have been very good as well. You know, that that that's that that's fine. You know, they might it's not saying that everybody does things um that, that, that they're great and that I've got judgments or internal stuff that's unresolved. Um, they may have they may have done something which is totally objectionable, but the, it's the it's the emotional response to that, the the charge, the the big um, the big feelings that emerge in my body and that that come out in some sort of judgment or projection or mm. or blame or anger or that that gets you know comes from within me bypasses my consciousness and then. If I'm not careful, I'll just unload that onto a person. And really, um, that is not very healthy for either of us. Yeah. Okay, so for here's I'm going to do a little example just in case this is helpful for our audience. So for example, like let's say you're at a little gathering at lunch and someone like dings the little glass, you know, ding, ding, ding. And they're like, everyone, and they do a little toast. Some people might be like, oh, that was lovely. But someone might be like, oh, wow, that was a bit attention seeking. And then yeah. so you're so I guess with this, we go, OK, well, I'm triggered. I'm I'm naming, blaming or shaming or name calling that person. Oh, that yeah. person's must is so attention seeking. Get curious. Say, huh, why does that trigger me? Maybe it's me that desires a little bit more attention in my life. Is that how we look, unpack yeah. it? Yeah, that unmet need of my own that I'm yeah, that I've not attended to, that I'm not aware of, that I've not been gentle with or has been aware of. And yeah, yeah, that yeah, that uh, yeah, that that's a good example. Um yeah, I mean it, it happens all the time, you know, just uh going just going around daily life, driving the you know, the motorways, you know, that that's a that's an example that's always used. The person that cuts you off in the in the lane in front, well who's, you know, if I have an emotional charge to that, who's the one that's suffering there? It's not the person that cut me off. <laughs> you know, it's I become the one that's suffering through that emotional charge, through that, through the anger, through the, you know, through the through what comes up in my body. Mm -hmm. That's my own, that's me, that's my experience. It's not theirs. You know, so um 
it's it's my job it's my responsibility to do something with that if i want to live a better life yeah yeah Mm. and i do think you know and i often say in my show more and more people are leaning into personal discovery now more than ever especially after the last three years wanting to self-reflect learn about themselves understand themselves and Mm. i think which is a pause that's a positive thing Mm, mm. Have you, what, like, have you, you know, is there a book that you read or a program that you've done that's really helped you to stay in that mindset of being, you know, a lifelong learner, you know, self-reflection, looking at every time you're triggered as an opportunity for growth? How do you keep that going? Oh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I can't think of a specific book. I mean, I, I'm really interested in, in, in particularly Jungian psychodynamic theory and, the you know the archetypes and um the different aspects of of myself uh so just through just through just general interest in reading i i guess i've come around to that so i can't name anything in particular i guess if you just google responding to triggers or something let's see what <laughs> sounds something, good something sounds good person that needs to read it yeah Amazing. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you the four questions that we ask everybody. Um, mm. But before I do that, is there any place in New Zealand or person that you want to do a shout out to? I want to do a little shout out to Jacqueline Richards, one of my previous yeah. guests on this show who actually introduced us. And that's the reason you're here. So shout out to Jacqueline. If you guys missed her interview, you can check that out on realitycheck.radio slash replays. Just type Jacqueline or go to the Epi Brave show. Um, but Mark, do you have anyone or anywhere in New Zealand that you'd like to do a shout out to? Oh, look, the people in the top of my mind right now are my uh, my my ex-wife and my three kids. You know, they their their lives changed and they this injury was their injury as well. And it took me a few years to really fully realize that this wasn't just my injury, this was their injury. So shout out to them and how amazing they are as as people in the world that I'm so pleased are in my life still. Yeah, that uh, they're, they're amazing. I love them to bits. Beautiful, yep. beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, the first question is: What is one thing you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Uh, well, I have been deeply committed to. Uh, riding a three-wheel bike in the forest and it has been a long difficult journey to uh, learn how to ride the bike and uh and take risks and experience the frustration of failure you know and and but oh i'm so grateful for having persevered with that because now i'm really genuinely enjoying this thing and and enjoying sharing it with others yeah where do you do that where do you take the bike uh, Woodhill Forest yeah. at the moment, the wood, the mountain bike park out there. Nice. Uh, and I'm I'm really actively wanting and becoming a an active member of of a group called Adapt MTB, uh, and promoting the benefits and creating opportunities for others to get out and ride adapted equipment and working with, um, you know, making it trails accessible as well. Just you know, just the little adjustments that can be made to make you know, more trails available to people with adapted equipment. Amazing. I haven't heard of that. I'll look it up. Amazing. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? Well, I'm all up for experiences, you know, but one of the things that I've learned through this injury is 
the joy of just experience and uh and it's all relative um so um i have a i've bought a a land yacht a you know little three-wheel sailing thing that i'm wanting to sail and i need to make some adjustments to that to be able to sail it it's sitting in my garage waiting for a whole lot of fun to be had on it and i want to go scuba diving <laughs> okay so the land yacht there's a theme here with the three-wheel thing the yeah. land yacht is is yeah. meant to stay on land is it yeah yeah okay it goes on the beach yeah i don't go in the water with it <laughs> it's a sail with three wheels sounds amazing but my hat because my hands don't work i've tried sailing one but because my hands don't work i can't yeah steer it and i can't pull the main sheet so yeah. i've got to work out how to put a winch on it or something i don't know well i'll work that out but that's what i want Okay, so if anyone's out there and you have a land yacht or you've got experience and you've got some guidance, you can get in touch with Mark. What was the other thing? Oh, I want to go scuba diving. Scuba diving. Yeah. Okay. Well, there I've you go. Fun. If anyone I've got wants friends to that are, friends that are dead keen to make all those things happen. Oh. But, you know, that that's that, that's my wish list at the moment. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, let us know how we can help you. Um, oh. but if someone does want to help you or if someone wants to find out about um, adventure works and you know booking in with their team or their people or something um how can they connect with you online well the the business is adventureworks.co.nz um, that's easy to find and um, if you want to keep up to date with my biking adventures and some mm -hmm. of my thoughts about life in general at uh, instagram mark mandino uh, you'll find me there mark mandino on instagram it's m-a-r-k yeah. M-A-N-D-E-N-O. Yeah, it's a yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I just I just followed you just before the interview. So I'm excited oh, to keeping up I've keeping up with your adventures. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is coming up for you? I know you're going to be obviously doing some sailing on your land yacht. What uh -huh. is coming up for you in the next six months? Um, lots more mountain biking. And uh and just um a commitment to this to this business at the moment. I'm just so deeply immersed in, in developing what we're doing for outdoor instructor training. Um, um, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, I just, the word that's coming to mind for me right now is unstoppable. Like you are just unstoppable. You're like, I'm going to do this la land yacht and scuba diving and mountain biking. It's really inspirational, especially for someone like me who used to do a bunch of that stuff. And now I pretty much just walk the dog. Um, so you have inspired me today and I'm mm -hmm. sure you've inspired many of our listeners and some people that can relate to you because they too are in wheelchairs. So thank you for, mm -hmm. for shining the light on that. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap things up? Uh, just, just this appreciation of the little things is so important that like life for me, I know how easy it is for life to appear to be miserable and hard and 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 not what i want and and it, it can feel like it's really easy to feel like uh, there's a better version of the life that would make me more happy uh you know that that there's out of reach but really um everything that i need and everything that could make me happy is right here right now i've just got to be able to see it and notice it and touch it and experience it that's my choice uh, you know i choose whether I am in this moment grateful for something that's present or whether I'm wanting something that doesn't exist right now, believing that that is where my happiness is. 
Wow. That's taking massive ownership. Thank you for joining us. We've been listening to Mark Mandino talking about moving forward after a massive challenge. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, kia ora. I enjoyed that. Thanks. Whatever you're navigating in your life at the moment, I'm really hoping and I imagine that you were able to glean some wisdom, some inspiration, some motivation to persevere, to possibly reimagine your life um, and embrace your newfound identity in this interview from Mark Mandino. He's so amazing. His attitude is incredible. In fact, after we recorded, we chatted for a little bit longer and I think he just has such a great mindset and I'm hoping that you guys could can take that and to apply it to your own life to be an empowered person, you know, whether you're a man or not, be an empowered person. Thank you so much, Mark, for your wisdom in that interview. We talked about his experience, of course, living in the wheelchair and going from active participant to observer in your own life. We talked about triggers and judgment um, and also how to adapt in times of challenge, which is exactly what he's been doing. You can find out more about Mark at adventureworks.co.nz. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. If you've just joined us this week, we are focused on empowering men. We've had three incredible guests on our show today. So if you missed it, you can listen in and maybe catch another live stream or go to the replays page and listen to our guests, Jack, Jack Henderson, uh, Mark Mandino, and Dan Monroe, sharing their wisdom with us all around empowering men. And at this point in the show, I love to do a little bit of a flashback to share with you a previous episode or interview that you might have missed out on. And this one that I've chosen is Matthew Tehuki, who is from the episode we did on self-discovery, love, and forgiveness. He is an incredible musician here in New Zealand, and he's got amazing wisdom to share. So here's a little segment from his interview. I would love to know what message or what do you think that Kiwis really need to hear or need to know at the moment? Um, I would say we got to do our internal work. We've got to clear away the baggage and the clutter and the trauma because that's what's having us react to everybody around us. I think we need to find ways to look after ourselves and ground. So look after our, just look in, and that's your physical body, your your emotional body, your spiritual body, your intellectual body, and just have a good clear out because we're going into such challenging times. We don't want to be dragging anchors and all sorts of heavy things behind us that are going to drag us down. Otherwise, we'll be dragging the people around us down and trying to suck energy from them. So I think that's really important is look in first. Do that work, be honest, be brutally honest with yourself. And then once you've done some good work, or maybe while you're doing the good work, is also connect, stay connected with the people around you. And, and that involves, and that includes people you don't like. Um, being loving, just be love, be kind to yourself and kind to others. That's, that's actually a phrase that I've picked up in the last year from my good friend. Lana Garland, who I'm doing this course with, is be kind to self and kind to others. If we do those two things, the planet's in beautiful shape. So do the work on yourself, be honest, upgrade, and then gather. Just keep gathering. 
because you know there was a time in the last few years where we were told not to gather and how was how great was it when we could gather let's not make let's not get complacent with the fact that we can gather because you never know when the next line of whatever is going to come down and shut us down for whatever reason so gather 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 that's so much energy gets built up when we're gathering with good vibes with some music and some food and some dance and some good energy so that's that's the main message that i'm i've always been working on is do the work with yourself and then work with some other people yeah well up your brave is definitely about uh community and connections and also courage for the people listening and i know people like this they might be go i hear you saying do the work legit what do you mean by that because some people won't know so i just want to really spell this out and how do people go about doing the work like what is the how do they do that some people can do it by themselves other people need someone to facilitate or draw things out yeah i think going for a walk is probably one of the best ways to start get your shoes off and go walk in nature i think and breathe deeply and just get out there in nature whole lot of stuff will come to you in that simple process but uh, the rest is like uh, get some therapy for trauma for childhood stuff or even adult stuff do some therapy i found a book um that really helped me look at my childhood wounds and my patterns and just really unpacking and unlayering stuff there and it was quite a messy time to go through it and i needed support around me because i was looking at the patterns that were trying to run me as an adult, but they were, they were created when I was a child. So look at your childhood stuff. Um, if you're a man, hang out with men. If you're a man, hang out with men. And don't always do it with a beer in your hand or watching rugby. Do some men stuff. I think it's so important for our men to get around other men and talk, honestly, and there's lots of different initiatives and groups and stuff going on which are one of them i'll talk about after this so yeah and women have been really good at gathering with women forever uh i'd say for the woman dance dance every day mm. that's my advice get you get your amazing bodies moving get joy flowing through your bodies i just love his grounded centered calm vibe so much wisdom there. You can listen to the full show, the full 40-minute interview on the replays page, realitycheck.radio, and you just go to the Up Your Brave show and scroll down and you can find it. You can also follow him on Instagram along with 6,000 other people. And of course, you can look him up on his website, rainbowwarrior.nz. He does some amazing work, really empowering people. So check him out. Um, speaking of amazing people, next week, we're going to be talking about creating a life you love. Got three amazing guests lined up for you. So I'm going to let you know a little bit about them. We've got Travis Bell, who is known as the bucket list guy. As everyone knows, I love the bucket list topic. He's going to dive in and share some tips and wisdom on how you can create and actually bring to fruition your bucket list. So we're going to be talking about bucket list living. I'll be chatting with Kim Baird on the inner game and the lies that we tell ourselves. That's a great one for mindset. And also um, author and speaker, Catherine Price on her book, which is called Flourish. But the topic we're talking about is trusting your gut. 
So that is all going to be happening next week. It's going to be amazing. And I wanted to thank you for joining us today on the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. If you want more help to Up Your Brave, of course, you can follow me on Instagram, Up Your Brave, or my website, upyourbrave.com. And I've got amazing people who can help you as well as myself on upyourbrave.com slash recommended. So check that out and have an amazing, incredible weekend. If you're like me and you're on school holidays, I hope it all goes well for you. I hope you are um, taking some time for yourself and being empowered and hopefully being inspired, listening to some more of the episodes on Reality Check Radio, listening to some interviews. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.